2: I'm Chris Farrell from the official GunnaGeek.com podcast, a proud member of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're listening to now. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready, because geekiness
3: begins in
4: 3, 2, 1. On today's show, Josh Peterson and I are talking the big IT movie opening and how that will affect future horror releases and the fall box office. We also debate the never-ending rivalry between Samsung and Apple and ask if staying on the cutting edge of smartphones is getting to be too much for consumers. Plus, Ron McCallum stops by for more pop talk and asks about the future of Roku and streaming entertainment, comedy on Netflix being watered down, old TV shows becoming new again, plus do we really need a major league three? We also have another hit song from Hyperschmidt And Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Painter Podcast stops by with an update after Sunday number one in the NFL. It's a comic laugh track full of great podcasting chatter we have for you today as we once again delve into the Pop Culture Cosmos. Welcome to the Pop
0: Culture Cosmos.
4: And we're back for the pop culture cosmos. My name is Joe Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate being part of everything that we do around here, whether it's today, whether you listen to our shows twice a week. We just truly appreciate you hanging around with us and all the stuff that, that you check out with Humanica Media as well. Just truly appreciate you being part of the Pop Culture Cosmos here today, the number one show six months in a row on the podcast radio network. And I'll tell you what, we're just so excited to have you here. It's another great broadcast indeed. I've got Rob McCallum standing by. He's going to be coming up with the latest pop culture topics. And also as well, Tyler Baker from the fantasy football Pater podcast, DK DKLegends.com. He's going to give us an update on week one in the NFL. I'm here back once again with my good friend, the man, the legend he is. The golden throated king of humanity media is Josh Peterson trying to gut it out today. You know, I'm not going to ask how you doing, my friend, because unfortunately, I know all too well how you're feeling.
5: I sound like um, what's that lady from Monsters Inc. when she's like, "Always watching, Wazowski."
4: <laughs> indeed indeed uh, i just appreciate you getting this one out for the team and i'll tell you what you just go ahead I'll, and just nod at me while i tell everybody on the show this week on humanic media we've got a super bs games cast all right also coming out as well the topic apocalypse also as well possibly a what about this kind of yes yes inside sports he's nodding yes again so we've got inside sports what about this super bs games cast and also as well topic apocalypse is there a possibility even a guardians of the geek next week okay next week okay well four out of five and bad plus attacking the mannequins tuesday nights 7 p.m eastern 4 p.m pacific check that on the podcast radio network Everything else is available on all Humanic Media outlets. You check it out right away. He's got a lot of great stuff going on, and it's no wonder that his voice is going bad because of all the great stuff that he's doing. Check it out today on Humanic Media, and also our good friend Charles Smith and Chris Ladari at Inside Sports. Well, like I said, it's going to be another great program indeed, but we have got to get into the big news this weekend outside of the tragic events of the hurricanes and all of our thoughts are with those in florida as they are with with those in texas suffering from those those awful hurricanes we do truly wish everyone out there the best the other big news is it that's right it the movie the remake of stephen king's great novel from the 1980s like 1100 pages big and whatnot Everybody uh, has has kind of heard or maybe even seen the 1990s television miniseries that took place. It hasn't aged well. Unfortunately, I watched that again over the weekend. But the latest recreation and reincarnation seems to be the best Stephen King adaptation of the year. And that's saying something because as we've talked about before in recent episodes, there's a lot of other Stephen King action going on in, in recent weeks. It has garnered over 117 million domestically at the box office this weekend more than doubling the previous expectations that were put upon it this time last week because people were thinking maybe 50 55 million my gosh it doubled that so i ask you josh as best you can tell us why did it score so well with the biggest R-rated horror movie opening, I believe, of all time in the U.S., how did it do so well, and what does this do for the fall box office?
5: Uh, okay, so this is my, my breakdown. I'm going to see the movie on Thursday, but I've, just, I've been talking to a lot of people about it, and I don't really care because I've, you know, I've read the book, so it's not really spoiling it for me. So I've been asking them about it, and it, to me it seems like this is more of a a hybrid between a, a horror movie and a like a really good drama piece so like I'm I'm hearing that the storytelling is fantastic so I think that it's not what people think it is it's not your average uh, just go to the movies for the sake of being scared it's also telling this elaborate tale of uh, of growing up and uh, you know friendship and reaching out to kids who are being bullied like it's a it's a very unique piece and I think that that's what's what's drawing crowds into it because people are, are usually people who see horror movies are like, oh yeah, that was scary or it wasn't scary. But I've never had an instance where people are say, that was scary, but the movie was also really good. So like I've I've never experienced that before. So I think that, you know, it's just it's something new. And I'm i audiences are excited and it's it's fresh, even though it's based on, you know, the the book and they have the nineteen eighties version. But this is like it's reaching out to a new generation. It's not something that's been rehashed over and over again. And you know what it means for the box office is, is that there's a i don't i mean i don't know how it's going to affect the uh box office moving forward it kind of sets a high standard for as far as that genre goes but i you know there's it, I, to me it, it opens up like a whole possibility of like maybe we're, we're about to see a new genre of movie being born
4: there's a sequel it's been green lighted obviously from this this great success this weekend and you know that usually will do it so and I think even, spoilers, the ending, you know, has clearly set itself to be made for a sequel to happen. As for, you know, when I'm
5: So it, I don't know how much of the story, because you, you saw the 1980s version, right? So it, in the book, the first half shows about the kids encountering this monster. And the second half shows them coming back as adults. And because uh, they made this promise saying, hey, if this thing ever starts attacking again, we're going to come back. And we're going to take care of it. So uh, this movie shows the um, only the kid side, correct? Kid side, yeah. And then the next movie is going to show the adult side. So it's it's a very like really interesting, uh, very unique take on a a something like this. So even like the book kind of jumps back and forth, but I, you know, it's it from what I understand, it's pretty spot on with the book. And it's it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, once this movie kind of settles in people's minds, when it comes, when they come back with the sequel, they'll kind of, uh, I guess, in a way, feel like they've grown up with these characters a little bit.
4: That makes total sense, and I'll tell you why. Because the original miniseries that was shown on ABC that is four and a half hours long. Again, I peeked in and out of uh, watching it again on Spike, and they were showing it nonstop. And it looks like the way they're framing it, it works out beautifully. It definitely was for some very great thinking and foresight to see that this, again, was going to hit on this level. Uh, I don't think even anybody thought it was going to hit on this level, but at least become a hit in its own right, and it definitely has done that. It's done wonders for the horror genre, again, because we've, as we've seen time and time again, when the box office is down, leave it to a horror movie to scare up audiences. And, and maybe hopefully this will kickstart things in the future because we've got American Assassin, Mother. We've got uh, also as well the Tom Cruise um, smuggling, drug smuggling movie coming up, American Made. And then also as well, you've got uh, Kingsman, The Golden Circle. You've got actually some decent movies on the plate this month. And they all can be benefit from what it has done earlier this weekend because I believe that's just going to kickstart people going and getting them back into the theater, hopefully in a little bit better numbers than August was doing. So that's definitely a great sign, indeed. And and obviously, if you've read the book, it or you've seen the prior mini mini series, still go if if you're into all that with the it series check out what the movie's doing on because i'm telling you the word of mouth is really good and really strong the reviews are are very good for it so definitely is playing out well for audiences any last thought on on why it has done so well with audiences this weekend
5: no i mean like i said it's it's kind of created something new it's a it's they've taken a genre cuz they know people like to be scared it's a novelty feeling and whether or not they enjoy the movie they like being scared so I think they've kind of opened a new door for a new type of movie. If you can scare people, but you can also tell tell a good tale, tell something that pulls you into it, makes you actually care about the characters, about whether or not they live or die, that is that is very that is unique. Like that is that is difficult, and that's a sign of a great uh, of a great tale. And so maybe going forward, we might see more of these, and that would be that would be very cool.
4: What are your thoughts on it? and its success this weekend? Is this something of a fluke for the box office, or do you really think the the It movie can sustain itself? And are you excited to see a sequel in the future from the It movie franchise? Tell us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanican Media, and GameSource on Facebook and Twitter as well. Well, it's gonna be another great episode we've got for you today. We truly appreciate it. We've got Rob McCallum standing by with a lot of great pop culture talk. In fact, we call it the pop talk that Rob McCallum and I had in regards to the latest pop culture topics. That's coming up right after the break. But first, this is Hyperschmidt, and this is After All, and this is the Pop Culture Cosmos.
0: Where you are Oh, I would not change a thing You are dear You are flawless Will you fix my broken wing? On a ledge Can you see What you know you're looking for? I am sure I've forgotten Once again I lost my
6: goal In my problems I feel small It's the clock i
0: So much light that wasn't there.
6: It's the club.
3: listening to the pop culture cosmos don't touch that dial wait do, do people still use dials
4: check out what's been going on with the pop culture cosmos show and the pcc multiverse I would say Rogue One has a more worn feel, and I love it
3: for that because it looks a lot like New Hope, where everything isn't shiny and plastic like the Star Trek films.
1: We always talk about
7: timelines and the franchises that we love, and now it's kind of like, okay, now we're going to do a Han story, now we're going
5: to do Obi-Wan story. People do still like to go into movies and watch things that are different, watch
8: things that are not related to superhero franchises. With him, you might get the Russell Westbrook thing. Kevin Durant leave, and he goes, I'm not going anywhere. This is my team. I'm really up it for the long haul.
3: If you're into, like, very strategic-style games and the co-op games in general, it's a highly recommended game overall. I a the sense of depth and personality that would escalate
5: fighting games to a higher degree.
4: That's the Pop Culture Cosmo Show. And the PCC
5: Multiverse. Every week on the Podcast Radio Network and Apple Podcasts.
4: And over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options. And we're back with the show. It is the pop culture. Ugh, Cos- <laughs> he did it again. This is Gerald Glass from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. I'm here along with my good friend, Mr. Rob McCallum. And I'll tell you what, it is time again. We're going to discuss the latest pop talk and the latest pop culture items that are out there. And in fact, he is going to take center stage. Remember, this is Rob McCallum of Rob McCallum Films, check out robmccallumfilms.com and also as well, he is the project director of Tiny Titan Studios. They have an awesome game, Tiny Rails, which you can get on early access today, nine ninety nine 99 on Steam and also available free to play on mobile.
3: It's a true story, thanks for having me. Glad I'm here again.
4: It's <laughs> well, almost becoming a regular thing. It is, it is, and it's great to have you back indeed. But uh, you, know, you wanted to go ahead and and, and talk over some of the great issues that are out there there's some really you know you were kind of worried that there might not be enough news from our back-to-back episodes that we had but sure enough uh, a lot of new and interesting features and stories have come about and uh, I'll hand it over to you as as a uh, I guess a more experienced host than I in regards to handling all these great pop culture issues and I'll try to do my best to keep up with you as well all right. Well, last time you,
3: uh, you enjoyed yourself so much being on the opposite ends of the Cosmic Roundtable, so to speak. So I thought I'd come back with a little, little more of the news observations, what's going on in the realm of pop culture and everything that makes our world go tickety-boom. So we're back with another pop culture Cosmos News Roundup. I kind of want to go to something similar to Amazon Prime. And of course, this is Netflix and uh, the trailer dropped for Jerry before Seinfeld. Now, this is one of two stand up specials that Jerry Seinfeld has committed to for Netflix. He's quite the comic icon. He's been around for a long time. He's really getting back into the stand up circuit. His uh, most recent show, Comedian in Cars Getting Coffee, I think is on like eight or nine seasons or something ridiculous like that. It's basically but it's also
4: being moved over to Netflix. Is that
3: to, correct? To Netflix as well, including the early Crackle stuff. And that show, for everybody that doesn't know, is basically Seinfeld with a comedian from the industry basically having an interview on wheels. So they drive around, they go get coffee, they talk, they go get more coffee, and that's the episode. It sounds dull, but it's hilarious. It's all pretty raw, it's, it's funny as heck. If you like comedy, check it out. If you like trying to understand why comedy works, definitely check it out. If you wanna see Seinfeld a little bit out of his element, a little bit more down to earth, but still himself, check it out. Now he comes to Netflix with two stand-up specials. The first one, Jerry before Seinfeld, where he's performing in New York at the club where he got his start. The big question here, Gerald, is what are thoughts on Netflix being the new home for essentially stand-up comedy? What do you think about that? It doesn't feel like HBO used to feel back in the 80s. The big thing for comics was to get an HBO special. And then somewhere in the 90s, early 2000s, a Comedy Central special was kind of the thing. But now Netflix seems to be the place to go for stand-up comedy specials. Thoughts on
4: this? I, I think it's great that they have an avenue that they can go ahead and share their wares. Dave Chappelle, I believe, also as well is as uh, gotten a lot of, of play on the Netflix and Amy Schumer as well. Or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah you know, both. I've seen seen because I've Bill seen the has been things. there for a long time. Yeah, yeah and I, time I've, I've seen a comment. couple. And I've seen a couple. Uh, Joe Coy, he's also as well on on Netflix as well. He's he's Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Yeah they these extremely funny comedians and Netflix I will give them credit they are trying to find alternative ways to to reach out to consumers on a regular basis are they making a profit you know when they report their money each and every quarter it doesn't seem like it's always in great shape but you know they are throwing out the cash out there to get these projects to get these things like Like the comedians to do their specials and hey it's all gravy you've already you already sold out the house this is just gravy beyond it hbo used to do these type of things you're right with eddie murphy and, and so on and then also as well comedy central but with netflix like hbo in the past you're able to go as raw as nsfw as uncensored as you want because you're on, on Netflix and that, that also appeals to the comedians as well. So it's definitely a great idea by Netflix to do this and to make it a home for basically a hotbed of both up and coming and traditional comedians to perform on that venture. And with Netflix, you know, we've, we've talked about in past weeks on the Pop Culture Cosmos show and the PCC Multiverse, how Disney leaving them eventually is going to affect the Netflix Viewing experience and it seems like this is one way that they're going to recoup that. I mean, their deal with Adam Sandler, as far as just their movies are concerned, horrible as many people think they are, have still garnered millions of views and have made Netflix a lot of happy customers through that venture. So that's been a great operation for them. And a lot of their other stuff aside, that they're just trying to basically throw darts at a dartboard and you know, f- quite frankly, a lot of the stuff. Their stuff is hitting, and that's why a lot of people like Netflix because they're able to go out and take risk and do things such as corner the market on comedians performing with their live shows. Well, here's where my concern
3: comes in. Okay, here's where my concern comes in. In the '80s, a comedy special was an event. Look at like Delirious, right, or Eddie Murphy Raw. You-, you mentioned Eddie Murphy is. Those a, are two of the
4: best of all time. Yeah, uh, those were like films,
3: right? Like, yes. like Landis like directed like the intro for one of them, or even look at like Richard Pryor's stuff or George Carlin stuff, or even Jim Carrey's stand up special they did for HBO. Like these are like monumental pieces and stand up comedy kind of performances. And now I feel like we're getting a ton of Netflix stuff, so it doesn't make it as an event. So you have to really push the name for it to kind of catch a headline. And here's the stat that I want you to remember, okay? And I heard this stat when Bill Burr released his special last January. He said, the special comes out, but don't worry. If you like stand-up comedy, you never have to leave Netflix because every week on Netflix for the rest of the year, a new comedy special comes out because it's still special.
4: It's, well, it does dilute it a little bit. It sounded more like a Comedian of the Month type deal, but now, it's like you said, it's even further that it's a Comedian of the Week that they're highlighting for the for the comedians out there and and i did get to interact with them back in the early 2000s when i was working with individuals here in vegas as far as comedy shows and whatnot you get to get to interact with these guys and gals and and you understand that they don't have always the greatest life they're in uh, for many of them that are struggling and go, trying to do the, anything they can to go on the way up, they're in lousy hotel room after lousy hotel room and their life is on the road and they don't always have the best of accommodations and best of lifestyles as many would think. So when they do hit it big, they want to go ahead and monetize it, their f- fame and fortune any way they can because it sometimes in some cases, it takes a long time to get to that stature. So I can understand from a uh, comedian point of view that it is definitely great that Netflix is highlighting week after week after week but I can understand as a fan or as a viewer that okay it's just another comedy special It's just another comedy special but then again comedians have their own different styles each comedian has their own different style the ones that are successful and the ones that are you know they usually cater to a different segment of the audience so If you're looking for a different type of comedy each and every time, Netflix will have at least a lot of choices to choose from. But I can understand what you're talking about and where you're coming from when you're talking about the waters getting diluted when it comes to comedy on Netflix.
3: Yeah. I mean, I just think that if they're going to do that, they should probably market it as comedian of the week, really. And then you can make an event out of it, just like HBO made an event out of Sunday nights, right? Every Friday night, here's your new stand-up comedy special. You know, sit down with your lady or your buddies or whatever. Have a few drinks. Watch the special on Netflix. Sit there and laugh out loud before you decide to go to the clubs or go to the bars or while you're playing some tabletop or some video games, you know, kitchen party. Throw it on. Have some fun. Next week, it's going to be this. I'll come over. Let's see if it's good. Instead, they're just kind of marketing the individual artist instead. And now for people to care, the name has to get bigger and bigger. So I think they're almost painting a trap for themselves with their – and of overzealous acquisitions
4: it, you gotta look at it up from both sides uh, you know and I'm trying to but I definitely as a viewer I can understand it becoming saturated and and a lot of viewers becoming apathetic and maybe missing good comedy with the influx of of you know so many different performances but from a, a comedian standpoint it's also difficult to say hey I don't want to turn down that money a you know because it's not it, you know these type of avenues and revenue streams don't come around very often in the marketplace. You talked about HBO, but as soon as that went away, maybe late night Comedy Central stuff, but that doesn't uh, obviously pay as well. So when Netflix came around and tr- started that up again you know it's a nice revenue stream for the comedians but definitely it could be something that that a lot of fans could be very apathetic about very quickly hey this is chad
0: from ghost toasters and you're listening to pop culture cosmos podcast Hi, this is Siri. I would never, never, ever listen to the Earth Station One podcast. Who the heck says howdy anyway? Why don't you listen to Chris Hardwick instead? I can get you his information. The Nerdist is everywhere anyway. haha, That was a joke. The Earth Station One podcast. It's time to let your inner geek out to play. You can find them at 1.com or up on iTunes, Stitcher Radio or wherever fine podcasts are found.
9: Peace, and we're done.
3: Roku is a set-top box that a lot of people have to stream their contents. It's very similar to uh, Apple TV or Android boxes or Google Chrome when you're Chromecasting from your computer. Uh, it was made most famous and probably got on the map because it uh, was one of the first to carry Netflix as a separate app before Netflix got started embedded in PS3s and Xbox 360s and TVs themselves. Roku is now in the news because they're going to be seeking a $100 million public offering. My question to you, Gerald, is what is the future of these digital streaming box subscription channels, cable and home internet? First of all, I should say that Roku, I believe, according to the article I read, lost forty-four million last year and their private capital. Now they're asking for a hundred million in a public offering. With public offering, usually that hundred million is in is in shares and it can go up and down in value for the company. But when you're basically seeking for twice, you know, the amount that you lost the year before with only a 15.4 million subscriber base, I wonder. Where that's going to come from, and the minor and the, the majority of their revenue comes from commercials that are placed within one of their 5,000 apps that they have that's on there. So, what do you think about the future of digital streaming boxes such as Roku, Apple TV, and subscription channels in, in total? And I kind of relate that back to what is the, the future of cable and home and entertainment given the landscape today and what it was even like three to four years ago.
4: Well, I'll tell you what, let me ask you a question you know, you're a tech savvy guy, how long a To your knowledge, do you think, you know, just a roundabout figure, have you understood and known about these type of devices being part of, I guess, our our culture? Five, six, seven, uh, in some cases, uh, you know, almost up to 10 years now, correct? I would say that I probably, Netflix was on my map in 2006 and seven as a
3: disc, like direct mailer. But I I didn't look at it as a streaming option
4: until about 2009 or 2010. But these devices, they've been out for quite some time. The technology itself, them, has gotten a little bit cheaper, but it's still pretty much standard technology that it uses, correct? Yeah, I mean, it seems to be the same kind of code-based structure.
3: Um, There's, like like I said, essentially Android boxes that are running in Android OS or Windows OS. And when you have gaming consoles like PlayStation 4 selling 65 million units worldwide, plus Xbox, plus Switch, plus the last generation of PS3s and, you know, Xbox 360s also containing these apps and smart TVs with apps being built into them, our phones being able to, like, stream from your phone to your your TV, connecting your TV to your computer. It seems like there's no shortage of ways to watch stuff on the big screen. Than, than ever before, so I don't feel like the future is, is where these boxes are, and I don't know that I would be backing a $100 million offering on something like Roku unless there was something of a game changer with that. And hey, I'm a really big Apple fan. I have the whole Apple ecosystem from iMacs to, a, well, an older iPad, I have an iPhone, and you know, I was forever, forever holding off on Apple TV, and the thing that sold me was standalone HBO. You know, for 15 bucks a month, I didn't need a cable package and I could get HBO and then still, you know, get some of their free services as well and piggyback off my iTunes account, which what I had ordered there, plus some of the games. But
4: really, HBO pushed me to that. And as we say this, my wife is actually streaming Game of Thrones right now off the Xbox One. So (laughs) that's what I was trying to infer to when I was asking you those questions is because The technology itself that these sticks provide is becoming quickly outdated and there's so many more devices out there that can do the same thing that's more multifunctional, that is more palatable to a large audience that something like Roku is gonna become a thing of the past very quickly. I mean, you and I, when we have gone to CES before and I remember the year that Android gaming consoles Was all the rage, and it was just like so amazing. There was like twenty to thirty different kinds of models of Android gaming consoles that were out there, and everybody was going uh, ooh. And then a year later, they were all but gone because the trends in technology change so quickly, and, and that if you have something that people see as outdated, they will just drop it like a bad habit. Roku is something that. You know, it's not the leader in the, in the industry and it's just another name that's out there. So I would not invest in that, that type of companies unless they have something down the road that they're going to introduce that's going to be a whole lot better than what they have and that's going to be a whole lot better than what's out there today.
3: I agree. I just don't see a game breaker in terms of what this is supposed to do that, that doesn't already happen out there. I don't know where the money comes from. I don't know where it consolidates. I think in terms of subscription apps and and the future of cable and home entertainment, everybody is breaking off for their own different digital service. We have Netflix already. We have Amazon. Disney's doing their own thing. CBS is doing their own thing. DC Direct is doing their own thing. Warner Brothers is going to have their own thing, which they kind of do already with HBO as a subsidiary. The next thing is going to come along where it basically bundles all these things together, which Apple TV kind of does already. They have a TV feature that when you're watching it, it kind of picks like all the things that you've recently been watching from all the different apps and then kind of organizes it for you that way, which is essentially cable TV again. But you're paying for every individual brand now because we're such a brand driven society because we're super fans of everything that's a niche that will never buy anything that's broad because we feel like we're paying for something we don't love. So then we pony up for the stuff that we do
4: love and we have to pay extra for it. So they got us coming and going. They really do. Obviously, they should just have a Nintendo Quest channel to just 24-7 live stream Nintendo Quest channel, and that should be it. That
3: would probably save a lot of problems and a lot of headache. Or
4: or a Rob McCallum Films marathon right there for you. There
3: you go. Well, you know, my good friend Patrick Scott Patterson just started his own Twitch channel, and he's on a goal to uh, have 24-7 streaming. So he's looking for 24 hours of content based on all the stuff that that he's done. So soon, I think you will... uh, you will see basically everything kind of come full circle from him there, so to speak, if that makes sense. You'll basically get to see two, four, seven PSP live, including a bunch of Nintendo Quest stuff. So
9: there
4: you go, there you go, indeed. So can't wait for it. Major League Three. There was
3: a meetup at, at the actual Field of Dreams. I don't know if you caught this piece of news, Gerald. Did you
4: see this? Uh, yes, I did. It's just so <laughs> anything relating to Charlie Sheen is these, these days is quite hilarious. It, uh, it was Charlie Sheen
3: and uh, Tom Bergeron and Corbin Bernstein, I think it was. Tom right? Berenger. Tom Berenger, that's right, and Corbin, uh, Corbin Bernstein. So they met up for an autograph session at the actual Field of Dreams field from the Kevin Costner movie. And, uh, you know, Charlie Sheen wants to have a have Major League Three um, film come out and
4: whatnot. What is sacred, Gerald? What is sacred and what isn't? Charlie Sheen's career's fall from grace with two and a half men is epic proportions here. And he recently got a lot of flack for the you know what many deemed tasteless 9-11 film that he was part of. And there's just so many things he's not doing right in these days. Major League Three, I don't think will ever happen because Hollywood just doesn't consider him just to be a bankable star in any shape or form. I would see it as a losing proposition all the way. I know as a director, I don't think you would touch it as well, correct? I would take this on as a
3: director. This is something where... Really? I don't don't even know that I would need to see the script for Major League 3. I love Major League 1 so much that I would take this on and I would be able to get excited about it a lot. The man oh, who would but, have
4: apprehensions for Star Wars Episode Nine would take on Major League Three in a in a heartbeat. Well, wow. I think the stakes are a bit lower for Major League Three. No
3: offense, than Star Wars Episode Nine. So I feel a little bit co- uh, comfier there, if you know what I'm saying.
4: But the paycheck would be nicer. Well, w- would it?
3: I don't know. There's a lot of uh, greedy paws out there for the uh, the old corporate
4: handouts there in Disney. I would say the paycheck would be nicer. I don't know, but the prestige of Major League Three. Come on now, that's a that's a VOD waiting to happen, my friend.
3: Well, you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. I'm comfortable with a VOD waiting to happen.
4: <laughs> well, all I can say is this: uh, I interacted with Charlie Sheen many, many years ago, along with him and uh, Nicholas I Cage when they were when they were very young and they were very rambunctious, and they and their group that was with them, whatever you want to say, were were. Wow really just a rambunctious crew and and i tell you what it looks like throughout his entire life things have not changed for charlie sheen and even in his old age he's still trying to do whatever he can to recapture some of that glory so if that's what he wants to do that's fine i just don't see a studio putting much money behind it or at least keeping it uh, on a minimum unless somebody does like a what a super troopers 2 did and doing a kickstarter campaign for it
3: yeah well you never know they could uh no, they probably will not do a Kickstarter for Major League 3. That probably just won't hey, happen. they did one hey. for Super Troopers 2. Well, I think there's a p- bit bigger of a following for those guys than there is for Major League 3. But who knows? Maybe Charlie Sheen can uh, help be make it a winning campaign. Uh, a winning I, don't campaign. Uh, uh, I don't know. They can give away vials of tiger blood. No? Too soon? Too late? Wow. Uh, moving on. Will and Grace uh get the green light after last year? They did a political scene that caught fire and really went viral. Now Will and Grace is a sitcom from the early two thousands, and now it has been it was picked up straight to order, full season. This is really a, a, I don't want to say unprecedented because we've seen a lot of you see
4: Roseanne doing the same thing.
3: Roseanne is doing the same thing, of course, and we've seen other comedies get spinoffs and find other lives on other network like the Mindy Project and Community. Getting basically ordered on on uh, Yahoo, and um, Hulu getting different orders. So like sitcoms stay alive. I mean, look at Family Guy. That went away for a while, and then that came back. What other sitcoms should come back? And like, what made Will and Grace is like the most unlikely like uphill battle. That to
4: me, that seems like a really strange choice for that, wow. and yet it worked. Well, I'll tell you what I think of these revivals because you—you you and I both remember that yes, community did come to Yahoo, but it died very quickly and it did not get the response that Yahoo liked. I will say that of the two, you know, that are coming out, Roseanne and Will and Grace, I would probably say—I I can't believe I'm saying this—knowing Roseanne being a cornerstone of of '80s and '90s culture. I'm going to say Will & Grace is more modern feeling. Maybe millennials will adapt to it more, and maybe they'll keep the ratings at a point where it will be palpable for, for NBC. I don't see Roseanne staying on, on there long, even with John Goodman coming back somehow being resurrected from the dead. Um, I just I just feel I that. He was,
3: I just, thought he was off
4: no no i think he's being resurrected from the dead i, I even though his character was killed off in the original series i heard he is coming back for that uh, i don't know I, I i would will and grace i mean if they're able to well see the thing is that what brought them to light in as the, the political stance that they took during those promos that they did so they can't i, I don't know if they are or well, let me ask you this would you keep that type of political stance that they took in those promos into a show that's meant for a wider range and a wider audience? I think they're going to be hinting at
3: it probably throughout the course in some sort of uh, overarching um, season story. I think they really will because I think that's what got them the green light, and it probably won't be as on the nose as it is there. But I really think that it's gonna that it's gonna come to fruition in in that style. I think they'd be silly not to. I think Roseanne's going to connect better than than you realize. I think there's a lot of stuff to parallel with where we are now with uh, Republicans in power, like there were, like we were in the '80s, and that kind of blindheartedness pushed towards commercialism that we had back then is echoed again now. So I think you're going to get the blue collar kind of response that we had from Roseanne back then, which is you know also hails from you know Cosby Show creators, right? Which was the complete opposite of Roseanne. Roseanne actually had a series before in the works and then the Cosby show got picked up in greenlit first and that nobody would watch an affluent, you know, African-American family and they pitched it and they sold it. And then, then they said, well, let's do the complete opposite. And that worked Let's see if that works. And that's where the Roseanne pitch came back and got them greenlit. So I think we're going to, I think you're going to find that Roseanne is actually a bigger hit than, than you expect. And there's what three or four generations of people that don't know Roseanne Barr, or I guess it's just Roseanne now. And then you're going to find people that still remember her that have kids now that can relate. So you'll have that generational thing again.
4: Well, I'm going to be talking to the tvratingsguide.com people next week, and they can give me maybe a little closer look at what they're projecting the ratings out for both shows to be. But I'm fearing one thing more than either of those two shows hitting or not hitting with the general audience. And that if they do hit either one of those shows or both, we're going to see an influx of a lot more shows from those eras being brought back to television, whether we like it or not. Anything is always up for grabs. If a money
3: investment firm from the UK can make He-Man and Skeletor relevant again by parodying Dirty Dancing from the 80s, then I think anything is possible.
4: Well, NBC has also already said that they've, they're thinking about revivals for Office and 30 Rocks. So.
3: That I did here too. I don't know that Tina Fey is super interested in a in return. And I don't know who they would get to do The Office if they would just center on a different office with different cast of characters, if that would be enough. I literally just finished watching uh, The Office for a second run-through for me. I can see why it got old fast. I don't know that they have the writing talent that they, they would need to do it. Mindy Kaling is one of the greater writers on that show, same with BJ Novak. They've both got other important things going on. The Mindy project was far underrated. It should have got more attention. I'm glad she's back this season as well with something else.
4: Well, like I said, I'm, I'm afraid that what's old will become new again in in mass and as we've seen it with movies i think that's going to probably take place if those two become a big hit you're going to see a lot of those revivals being pushed on us and you know sprinkled in is okay but when you push a mass influx on us that's going to be where a lot of people are going to revolt with uh turning off their their remotes and i i've just if those two shows do hit i think you're going to see definitely a lot more of that coming on this way this is again rob mccallum from rob mccallum films and tiny tiny studios it's been a great pleasure having you host this segment of the pop news roundup it was truly appreciate always you being a part of the pop culture cosmos
3: Come in and chat with Nicole or Doug about your love of games and watch as they help you complete your collection or find your childhood favorite. And don't forget, Retro City Games loves trade-ins. So if you have any Nintendo, Super Nintendo, Sega, Xbox, PlayStation, or even PC games, come in and visit Retro City Games today. Welcome to the new metropolis of gaming, Retro City Games.
4: And we're back with the program. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture, Cosmos, and Game Source. We truly appreciate, again, you being part of the broadcast here today. And we have got to have now as part of our continuous commitment to fantasy football, a week one update because week one in the NFL, well, it's pretty much in the books. And who is here to explain it all and break it down for us real quick with, you know, for all your fantasy football rosters and leagues out there. It's Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pay Dirt Podcast, now available on Google Play, itunes and a whole lot more tyler it's great having you on and don't forget to check out his articles as well on dklegends.com
8: i'm well my friend
4: how are you doing doing great i'm actually even leading in my league as far as the picks (laughs) that you gave me and all that so i'm doing good good. Good. I'm doing good, unless you know something dramatic happens and they recount his his quarterback for any reason. I should be able to pull out a week one victory. So I'm I'm already psyched nice. already. Congratulations! Uh, well, thank you. That's a credit to you and the picks because we used your draft chart in order to go ahead and make those picks. So oh yeah, you're good. so <laughs> if you get a chance out there, check out all of his great stuff on dklegends.com and his three times a week fantasy football. Patered podcast that's available on iTunes, Google Play, and so much more. Tyler, I tell you what, there's a lot of news, even with the game that was canceled, unfortunately, you know, due to the obvious uh, tragic events of the hurricanes yeah. that are out there. And our thoughts and prayers are with those that are of affected course. by the hurricanes as well. But yeah. Tyler, can you give us an update still on a great week one in the NFL?
8: Well, I haven't watched all the games yet. I'm about halfway through the game film. It's Sunday night right now, but there have been some major injuries we need to know about. Alan Robinson, the star wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars, is out for the season with an ACL. That puts Alan Hearns uh, next in line to uh, absorb some of those targets. And then Marquise Lee. I haven't watched that game yet, so I'll be interested to see how the offense adjusts. Um, and, of course, there will be more adjustments before their game next week. Uh, Scott Tolzien was benched, the uh, unfortunate quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, and they put in the guy that they just traded for, Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I haven't watched that game either, uh, but I will update all of these things on my Tuesday podcast. Uh, Kevin White, the receiver for the Chicago Bears, he has a broken collarbone, and it looks like he'll need surgery, and he will be out probably for the rest of the year, the biggest injury is probably David Johnson, who was my number one pick on my board. Uh, He has a wrist injury. There have been quite a few reports. The most recent one that I've seen has states that someone close to the situation says it might not be as bad as they thought. There's too much inflammation right now on the wrist for them to get a good MRI. So they're going to have to wait until tomorrow to look at it and take a, take a really good look at it and decide whether he can play or not. If he can't play, it could be anywhere from a couple weeks, maybe a couple months at the very worst. Uh, but what that's going to do is that's going to put Kerwin Williams in a timeshare with Andre Ellington. So if you're looking for somebody to come in and be another David Johnson, I really don't think it's there. Um, so well, well, that's a that's, shame that's, that's
4: as a well, but there was actually, I wanted to ask you, you one thing before you keep on going with the update there were a lot of quick hooks in the NFL when it came to cornerbacks and week one and even sometimes in the first half I probably noticed in a couple of games where the hook just came right away
8: correct Yes. Yeah. Um, Like I said, I've only watched uh, five games so far, so I really don't want to get into what happened because I haven't seen it yet. And sometimes when I read something and then I watch the game, they they just don't add up. So I'm going to go through and watch the games and I will update everything on my Tuesday podcast. But I know some of you guys want to know some of the quick pickups that you'll want to make for this week and there are a couple guys that really stood out a couple of them you and I talked about on 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 your last show Uh, Cooper Cup had an outstanding day it looks like he's actually a part of the offense and not just a rookie that they want to bring in on certain packages Uh, Chris Carson we also talked about the running back for the Seattle Seahawks he looks like the only running back that's actually doing anything Eddie Lacy Came in and had five carries for three yards. Chris Carson came in and had six carries for 39 yards and caught a pass for 10 yards. Now, uh, there were a lot of red flags that I saw in that Seahawks offense. That offensive line is absolutely terrible. If you own Russell Wilson, you might want to after next week's game against the 49ers, you might want to try to trade him because that offensive line I think is bad enough that it could very well get him hurt. Uh, Also, Corey Davis, the uh, first round draft pick from the Tennessee Titans. Now, he didn't play during the preseason because he had I believe it was a bad hamstring injury and they said that they were going to bring him in and and give and have a couple packages for him. He got 10 targets. He led the team in targets. So, I haven't watched that game yet, but when I see 10 targets from a guy that didn't even play in the preseason, that is something that is should be on everyone's radar. And also, uh, the third down scat back, Tariq Cohen from the Chicago Bears, uh, he had 12 targets for eight catches, 47 yards, and a touchdown, five rushes for 66 yards. They call him the human joystick. Uh, I saw him in preseason. He's really shifty. He's really fun to watch. Now, I haven't seen that game yet either, so I don't know if it was just a matter of game script against the Falcons that caused them to kind of spread things out and get him more involved. So I'm going to watch that game, and I'll let you know about all of this stuff on Tuesday's podcast. But those are some names that if you don't get a chance to listen to my podcast before Tuesday, those are some guys that are going to be on your waiver wire that you will want to pick up that's Tariq Cohen's running back from the Bears Chris Carson running back from the Seahawks and then wide receivers Cooper Cup from the Los Angeles Rams Kelly Galladay so this is a guy that was making some spectacular catches in the preseason and I was kind of curious as to how they would use him in the offense once the season started he caught two touchdowns today the guy is is just stretching out for balls he's high pointing like nobody else he's 6 and has a long frame, and they have him in as part of the offense. He's not a a substitute guy. Now they ran a lot of wide, re- like five wide receiver sets and empty backfield sets. But even when they had three wide receivers on the field, Kenny Galladay was one of those guys. So if Kenny Galladay, wide receiver for the Lions, is on your waiver wire, you will want to get him. And there's also uh, Corey Davis. So there's five guys right there that if you get a chance to get them on your team from the waiver wire this week, you'll be in really good shape.
4: Well, that's some great news and great updates indeed. Once again, it is Tyler Baker from the Fantasy Football Pater Podcast and DKLegends.com. You can get his great podcast every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday available on iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts google play and so much more just look for the fantasy football pater podcast and also join his facebook group where he puts out regular injury and also positional updates in the nfl regularly throughout the week tyler as always we truly appreciate it and we'll hope to be seeing you this friday well, we'll actually hoping to be hearing from you this friday yes. on <laughs> the pcc multiverse
8: looking forward to it thank you so much No problem. Thank
4: you. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay. This is Travis from Ghost Coasters, and you're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast.
3: 2017 is a pinnacle year for Rob McCallum Films. Coming off the heels of the internationally acclaimed and award-winning documentary, Missing Mom, we're in the final stages to release Kitty, Origins and Evolutions. Check out this heavy metal biopic that explores the ups and downs of rock and roll for the women in Kitty who blazed a trail in the music industry in the face of unthinkable adversity. Kitty Origins and Evolutions releases this year from Rob McCallum Films. 2017 is the year to set your future on fire.
4: And we're back with Pop Culture Cosmos. My name is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate you being part of the broadcast as we close out the show today. We want to thank again Rob McCallum and Tyler Baker for stopping by and, and Hyper Schmidt for being able to play another one of their great songs indeed. And if you can't catch our shows, either the Pop Culture Cosmos show or the PCC Multiverse, on Monday and Friday on the Podcast Radio Network, that's no problem because they're always available on iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Ace Podcast Network, Overcast, Player.fm, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Podcast.com, Mixcloud, the ESO Network, the Tangibound Network, the Gunna Geek Network as well, Cast Crunch, Social Podcasts, and popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, and we've started uploading to the Game Source YouTube channel as well. And speaking of uploading episodes, you wanna make sure you check out all the human Media stuff, check that out, available on YouTube, Podbean, iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, and podcast.com as well. Well, Josh, before we head out, I gotta ask, as I know you're seeing in the news as well in regards to the latest consumer technology, Everyone's got to have one of these babies. Got to have a smartphone these days. They're all the rage for years now that the technology is becoming more and more advanced. The capabilities of these things just really seems to go through the roof. But the prices seem to be also going through the roof as well. So I ask you, with the iPhone 8, rumored to be called the iPhone X that'll soon be out, plus also as well the Samsung Galaxy Note 8, also coming out this week, both bordering on a $1,000 a piece. That's right, a $1,000 a pop from one of those babies. Even with all the capabilities and the advancements that they have and all the great things that they can do, is it truly worth it to have something so expensive to be your your go-to piece of smartphone technology?
5: I feel like there's got to be a cap for this eventually because Think about it. I, so my my computer here. This is a twenty seven inch iMac with you know with a with a terabyte and it costs me eighteen hundred dollars. So I'm basically essentially paying you know for a phone. I am paying over half of that. So why like where where does it stop? What what can this do better than this? And I I get like iPhones for older people is good because they can't get into trouble with it. They can't like do those things where they get onto websites or something. Their phone gets like malware and like, how do I make this go away? Like iPhones are good because they're simple. Like my mom's been having problems with that and she's calling me all the time. For that purpose, it's, it, it is what it is, but like this, like what, why, why, what, why would you want to pay that much money for something like that? Like it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me because you can't edit videos on. I mean, you, you sort of can, but you can't use like you know. You can't use Adobe programs on your phone. You can't. There's just all, so many. Even like their their mobile games are limited in what they can do. So I I don't. I know they're big on like their camera, but if I want to spend that kind of money, I would just go out and buy a
4: DSLR. So you know,
5: I, I'm curious to hear what
4: you have to say on this. It's, it's still hard to swallow that really high price tag, but that's seemingly even if you get. Something else that's a lower priced Android phone, let's say, and to spend that much money when people think about it, it's really hard to fathom, but that's okay or cool with buying lower priced phones that don't have quite the features of those new models. Josh, any last thoughts on deciding what you, what you have? Because what iPhone do you have right now currently? I have the iPhone 7,
5: whatever the, the smaller one is. Does it suit your needs? Yeah, it, it does what I need it to. I, I'm not a big, like, I'm not one of those people who will go out in public and when I feel insecure about something, I'll start, like, texting just because I don't want to talk to people. I stare at screens all day, so, like, the the less time I can spend looking at another screen, the more comfortable I feel. But, yeah, it does. Oh, I'm
4: sorry. Mind. I wasn't listening. I was busy yeah. texting, so. Yeah.
5: <laughs> yeah. Don't be like that lady in New York who walked into that, uh, what was that, manhole when she flipped over. You see that video?
4: I hear you. It's like Pokemon Go, the beginning all over again.
5: No, it, it, it does what I need it to, and I can play. You know, I can play some Final Fantasy on it every now and then. But it's just a phone, man. And like, I, I if it if it were over a thousand dollars, I probably wouldn't pay for it. But I, I would hope that we're going to reach a point where people are wondering why they're paying so much money for this stuff. But who knows? Do people go crazy? It's like Disney. People, go, if Disney made a cell phone, people would you know, pay out their backsides for it. But it's the same thing with Apple. They got like this cult. So who really knows, man? We could be paying four grand for a phone in in coming days, in which case I think we'll all just go back to walkie-talkies or whatever we were talking on before.
4: Or two styrofoam cups and a string. But we won't go there. You,
5: know, you, you can walk outside. There's the, the There's going to be a bunch of strings going across from each other.
4: That be fun that would be indeed, but I'll tell you what a thousand dollars might be the magic marker point for everybody as far as hey, enough is enough, and the price shouldn't be going much higher, but I think it will, and I think it will be for at least some time to come until there like you said, there is a consumer pushback of major proportions. What are your thoughts out there on the ever changing technology and most importantly the ever-changing price of these things whether you have an android phone that's cracked like mine or an iphone that's cracked like his or any other type of phone even a windows phone per se how about them babies share us your thoughts <laughs> share us your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com didn't think i'd go there
5: hey Listen, Thanks, I you know. I had a Windows Phone before this iPhone, I was I was one of the few believers in the Windows Phone.
4: My condolences. I should have sent you a Motorola Star tech Share us your thoughts, Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, and humanica Media on Facebook and Twitter as well. And if you still have one of those Motorola Star techs you got to send us a picture of it. We'd love to share it on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Indeed. So for Josh Peterson. This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day right here in paradise, here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself
6: a great day.
8: This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.
2: Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard.
7: TangentBoundNetwork.com
0: Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos as a special treat. We're adding a bonus episode, which starts right now. So sit back and relax as you enjoy more awesome goodness from the Pop Culture Cosmos family. And stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.
1: Super,
2: super, super, super Hello, and we are back starting at episode 24, August 31st, 2017. This is Super BS, your best friends of all time. Um, I'm here, the boy, Brian Wagner Broderson II, and I'm with, who is this
7: on my left? Dr. Donna, taking myself prescribed pills that I made myself because I'm a doctor. Okie doke. And who
5: is sitting across from me? This is uh, Observer Josh. I'm just observing Dr. Donna. Observer, nice. <laughs> I like that, Observer Josh. Making sure the uh the party ended last week, so I just don't wanna don't want a sequel, you know. Nice. Um yeah, so uh let's just get to it, my dudes. Um anything cool
2: been happening before we've been playing? Anything any movies you guys been watching TV?
5: No, no? you guys didn't watch Game of Thrones Jeez. oh yeah I did watch Game of okay, Thrones okay
2: we're not gonna talk about the ending because I know you love to spoil things but uh so uh let's talk about that ending huh yeah oh Ned goodness. dies uh, yeah. yeah Ned <laughs> that ending don't spoil it okay man yeah How no. I, I
7: seen that I watched the first season this week because my girlfriend's never seen it before oh that's great oh, yeah. how'd that go it's I, good it took yeah. her a few episodes to like it but
5: I was I was talking to someone in there. I, I was saying how like you can't just watch one random episode; like you literally have to watch the whole thing from the beginning to get what's going on.
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's. I don't know. I think you could watch a random episode and enjoy it, but I think it's a lot better if you know what's happening.
5: It's it's like taking a sentence out of context.
2: Yeah, I guess it's. I don't know though. The show has a lot going on that's just enjoyable if you watched one episode or the whole season. But uh, yeah, uh, let's talk about what you what have you guys been playing? What about you, Josh?
5: I just finished uh, Uncharted: The Lost Legacy. Eric's favorite game mm. of the, all time. Of all time, um, yeah, it was it was good. It had a, a good ending, but <clears throat> you could tell there's a lot of fan service in there when they're trying to make it feel like a more complete experience instead of just a you know the the add on that it was originally going to be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not in any hurry to go back to play Uncharted. But if they were to branch off of that game, I would, I'd probably check it out for a few hours, maybe. Yeah, but for the fan service. For the fan service, yes. Skimpy tennis just outfits just and skimpy tennis bikini outfits DLC. and more, uh, more original Uncharted references, please. Uh, other than that, I haven't really played a whole lot. I, w- I was gonna pick up Sonic Mania last night or download it, but I haven't done
7: it yet. Yeah, yeah. What about you, uh, Rick? You been playing anything cool? Um, yeah, I've been mostly playing Path of Exile this week because it launched on Xbox. Yeah, yeah, it's um, cool. I want to
2: say twenty fourth, so like a week ago.
7: Yeah, it's uh, it's really fun, actually. I uh, I guess it's made by. Oop, hold on. Uh, there we go. I guess it's made by people that worked on the original Diablo games um I think I heard that somewhere that would surprise me it yeah. plays a lot like that but uh, it's a lot of fun um, it's rare to see a, a free-to-play game that's not pay to win so that's really cool um and it's enjoyable um it's kind of hack and slashy it gives me kind of like a nostalgia boner like for Baldur's Gate dark Alliance on PlayStation 2 or Champions of Norath kind of yeah, thing. yeah those games are great I wish they would just at time like
2: release those for you know you pay like 20 bucks and yeah. play them because champions of the north had like a four player ability and because mm-hmm. i didn't own the multi-tap i think i finally got one but i didn't own one for forever so i could never play that game like four player and right. i would have
7: loved to do that
2: now that's probably one of my favorite things of path of exile is the six player co-op
7: yeah six player online party is is pretty rad yeah that's just um, not a lot of
2: games have that like
7: four is the norm yeah there's a lot of customization too it's like it's an overwhelming skill tree, but it is kind of cool at the same time because it means that every class has a lot of options. There's class upgrades, and there's your whole skill gem system, which is basically like Materia from uh, Final Fantasy VII, because you, you basically hook um, gems to your weapons and armors. And then if there's slots that are connected, you can like hook support gems to them so it's like I have an attack that does just like a double strike. But then I have like a bleed gem attached to it. So it makes enemies bleed and that kind of stuff. So things like that are pretty cool. And the gems level up as well. Um, so it's like they get stronger over time as you get stronger. It's it's pretty fun. Um, I've been enjoying it quite a bit.
2: Yeah, yeah, i played a little bit. I just have like a level
5: 8 character or something like that. But it's,
7: it's is, pretty cool. Is this game worth... Me trying. <laughs> is
5: it worth? Is it worth free? No, I mean I'm a very slow video game player. Is it? Because I keep. I, mean, I always hear about it, and I, I'm just, always like,
2: you have literally nothing to lose outside of time. The the <laughs> time it takes to boot it up, make a character, and try the game. That's all of your loss. Okay. There all is right. no. You don't have to pay a penny. You just try the game. It's free. It's free. Hundred percent free. Which I cannot free, say right, about
7: right. Marvel Heroes Omega, which also came out. It's, it's
2: free. It just has a different
7: free-to-play. Is that That's
5: kind of like thing. how they used to say, um, "What's that open-world DC game was free, but you uh, only got like three or four characters oh,
2: for free. The one other ones
5: you have to pay for."
2: I know which one you're talking about. It's DC Heroes Online, right? Is that, so, is that it? Yeah. Marvel Marvel about.
7: Heroes is like sell like iPhone game free, so you can play any character up to level ten, and then you have to pay for it. Yeah, That's, but like. There's like at least five of the skill systems are locked behind level caps. Like you can't equip certain certain item accessories until you reach level 25 or you can't unlock slots for your abilities until you reach level 15. There's like an infinity system that unlocks at level 60, a second skill system that it locks at level like 30. Like, there's a whole bunch of stuff that you cannot do. Do
5: they tell you this? Like, when you're about to... Is there any, like, indication that this is something they do? You read the
7: reviews. (laughs) Yeah. That's Um, stupid. But they give you... There is also, in line with an iPhone game, there's, like, an in-game currency that you can earn from playing the game, but it is very slow. Okay. And characters, you know, it's like they start you off generously with 225 of this resource... Um, but characters, at least the cool ones, cost like five hundred.
5: Then, do they have like little DLC packs you can buy outside the game that give you more of this currency? Yeah, I think that there's is like
7: so cheap. I think there's like sixty dollar packs of characters. You can also you can also instead of buying this currency, you can just buy characters for ten bucks or so. Um, yeah. And I mean, if you like, I would probably the only characters I would buy would be like Thor and Star Lord. So I guess, you know, it'd be, I'd be spending 20 bucks on the game. But
5: they shouldn't advertise it as free, though, if that's yeah. the, the case. It's a hard sell, though. You know,
2: like even Path of Exile, I don't know how they make money. Like, that's the one thing I've been curious. I know they sell cosmetics, but I don't know how many people do it because there are a lot of good natured,
7: goodwill people who want to if support I'm, them. If I'm not mistaken, I thought Path of Exile wasn't originally free to play. I know it's all, as far as I know, it's always been free to play. See, I thought that it went free to play at some point. It's
2: been, it's such an old game. I want to say I I heard recently it was 2013 was when they launched it. So, I mean, it might have cost money at that point, but there has to be like, like I don't like the way Marvel Heroes does it either. That way is terrible. I think you should at least get a free character, if not more, and then you can build yeah, your characters. Yeah, you a
7: free shitty character like Captain America yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, just so you <laughs> can. see that the first character you play as when you start the game, like you don't get to choose. It's just Captain America. I'm like,
2: <sighs>
7: and you don't even get to play him past ten either. He's just like uh, no. just okay. the tutorial. You switch. So another w- an interesting feature, one that I sounds good, but I actually don't like it um is uh you you can actually switch between characters at your at whim in the middle of levels you just go to your roster and it summons a different hero um so you can you can literally like fight one enemy per character in a level like Mm -hmm. but it makes it feel less than like you are picking a class and like like role playing in a sense like you know, like, I play a duelist, which is basically like a fighter in Path of Exile. And I would be annoyed if I could just pick between any of the characters whenever I want. Because it's like you... You never die. Or no, it's not, not about never dying. It's just like you never hone in your class. So, it, it, it's just like a weird... Fe- it's a weird feature because it sounds really cool. But I actually found it to be annoying. Yeah. So, I mean, if so...
5: If you were to compare it to like marvel ultimate alliance because that's kind of what it reminded me of that's, like what
2: that's its lineage is it marvel okay. Ultimate alliance marvel Ultimate alliance 2 marvel heroes it's
5: been like a pc game for i don't even know how long 2014 i want to say okay because yeah i just you're talking about captain america i remember in ultimate alliance he didn't really do anything like he could
2: throw his, throw
7: his shield but that was the extent of his uh gameplay uh he's got some sweet prop world war Two propaganda as well <laughs> <laughs> and he throws that at people. Their posters? Well, I mean, if you guys haven't been playing a lot, I'll talk
2: about some of the stuff I've been playing, and maybe you, you guys can speak on it. Um, I've been playing... Uh, wow. Let's see what I... have been playing so, WoW? I've been playing WoW. Whoa. That's the main game. <laughs> no. with, with Dave I, with Stank Bank? So after I beat Undertale, I went back and started that again and played through about half of it. Really enjoyed that. I then decided to turn on my Xbox and play Hyper Light Drifter. Did
5: either of you guys get a chance to play that game? What is Hyperlight Drifter? Because you, you always talk about it and I never ask.
2: It's, uh, so oh, it came
5: it's out, awesome.
7: Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's really cool. It's got like a really cool art style and aesthetic. Um, it came out last April for PC and then I want to say November ish time for Xbox and PS4. Uh, and I picked it up on PC and I played it just because it looks so cool. I just really want to play it. Plugged in a controller, it worked great. And then I saw it and it was on sale on Xbox. And I'm like, I really like this game. I want to support the developer. Let's you know buy it again. So it's like a Zelda-style game, but it's not really like Zelda at all. There are four world dungeony things that you, you go do to. Play Link, you play as Link. You do play as Link. Link. You gotta and, save Zelda. And yeah, and there's a boom boomerang and a bow and all that, but it's not Zelda. It's so it's uh,
7: Ganon. It's very pixely. It's, yeah, it's okay. it's got a really cool like
2: design aesthetic to it. It is now nowadays there are a lot of games that's. Like try to do this, but there's not as many that are fluid and where the characters look as cool. Um, But yeah, so you run around and you get like these these things, these orbs that you pull up from the ground. You need a certain amount of them to go get the master sword uh, to get the master sword to kill the boss like at the top of you know the place. Or so there's four zones: north, east, south, and west. And to go south, you need to beat north, east, and west. And each of the zones have one major boss, and they have several fights and. There's a lot of, like, hidden stuff, like all the walls and stuff. You kind of want to, like, hang near them because they don't always show you every single thing. They're, like, hidden behind, like... The walls can... Like, the screen can move if you get to a certain area. So there's a lot of really cool things, and you find, like, these little um, yellow trinkets, and you pick up, like, four of them, and then they give you one of these yellow boxes. And with those yellow boxes, you buy, like, new moves for your swords or new dash moves uh, more abil- more health kits, m- grenades, uh, gun upgrades, and because you have like a gun, and then ev- most bosses give you an additional gun, and there's hidden keys, and those keys will unlock new like armors, and those armors have stats. It's crazy, but there's no dialogue in the game at all. So the way you find out all of this is just through like picture and tech, or not text, picture, and it's really, really, really cool. It's- it saves time, though. I mean, a lot of those games, like I have to sit there and read the. Yeah, it's. I just think it's. So much cooler in a way, you know, like I I don't hate games with text. Obviously, I like those as well. But just like somebody who's like, hey, I don't want to do text. So they figured out a way to show like all the wrongs that the enemy does through like these little like almost comic book image things that pop up when you're talking to people like bubbles. And uh, when you're, like, looking to buy a move, it shows you what the move does. And that's how you, like, buy it. And it shows you the amount that you that's need.
5: Rad, though. That's though. That's different.
2: Yeah, yeah so I, I played that, and I, I almost beat... I decided just kind of go around to each of the three zones and not fight any of the bosses and just get moves and stuff. So I've been doing that. And then I picked up Mario Plus Rabbids for uh, Nintendo Switch. Okay. That game is pretty cool. I have to say, like, it's... After, like... I'm a pretty big fan of XCOM and XCOM Two, and those games are really hardcore. Like I save scummed the whole game, where like if my characters died, I'd reload and then totally get all the you know all my guys back. Uh, Mario is like XCOM for babies. It's it's a lot of fun, but it's not like very hard strategy. Like when you attack a guy in XCOM, there's percentages which are like twenty to forty. Um, sixty heard, to eighty. I heard that Mario gets a
7: lot more challenging though as you get farther.
2: Yeah, it is, and it is getting challenging now. But they ch- they took out a lot of the RNG, which for some people's better and some worse. I I don't know how I feel about it yet. Um, like so, a good example would be an XCOM. Like you're looking at a guy, you might have depending on your weapon seventy to eighty five percent chance to ki- to hit him, right? Mm-hmm. And Mario, if he's not behind cover, it's hundred percent. If he's behind half cover, it's fifty percent. If he's behind full cover, it's zero percent. And it just works so like that I, every how, way. how
5: do you identify what's half cover, what's full cover? It's, it's
2: really, really easy identifiers. Okay. I mean, like, it's either a big wall where you can't see him like he's hidden behind it. Yeah. Or it's a little wall where you can see him. But so okay. it's there's stuff like that. That's cool. It takes about three to four hours till you get to the skill tree, which was kind of a bummer. So I pretty much once you world one is pretty much a tutorial and the game goes by world. So you do world one, level one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight boss. So now I just got to World 2, and I still only have four of the characters <laughs> out of eight. So teams of three, it's pretty cool. Are you guys uh, looking into it?
7: Yeah, I'm actually going to... I'll get it at some point. It's on my list.
2: Yeah. It, it's a beautiful
5: game. I want to say it's its definitely up there with the best looking, um, like, can you on Switch. Can you tell me how these two worlds come together?
7: Is there Assassin's Creed DLC? Is there? That's the only... Yeah. Only for it Assassin's is Ubisoft. D, yeah. Uh, is how one Mario, Ezio, costume just just spark notes it for me? Give me, needs... give me
5: like a 10-second rundown. Well, I mean, how the, do these worlds? Merge the intro together? is only
2: a minute and a half. Okay. Like it's somebody on a computer making what looks like a VR game, and then this VR headset type thing merges with a rabid. I don't re- exactly remember how the rabbit came there, but it merges with a rabid. Rabbids are everywhere. It's and, just a thing. Yeah. That's true. And then the, I, I think if this is correct, the rabbit looks at a washing machine and shoots it with the laser eye thing all the rabbits get sucked into a washing machine with like mario posters and they end up in the mushroom kingdom with a whole bunch of weird stuff that makes so much sense
7: yeah it's uh it's pretty much rabbits are like the minions of video games they are exactly uh... the minions
2: of video games like there was a thing yesterday where i, I like they're taking like there's uh rabbit peach and their name just rabbit peach rabbit luigi rabbit yoshi of course. yeah so I mean, and rabbit peach is uh taking f- selfies And like the boss is like flying away and like dying and she's like taking all these selfies and then all of a sudden there's one selfie where the boss is like right next thumbs up (laughs) and then it's like back flying away dying and it's 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 funny a lot of it's really really
7: funny but it is minions so you you know some of the jokes are just dumb. It's funny because I get that rabbits is like a play on rabbits because they all look like demented rabbits. Rabid, but when you say rabid Peach or rabid Mario, it's like they have just rabies. Imagine her with like foam coming out of her yeah. mouth. Yeah, I I don't know who
2: decided like, hey, let's just skin all of the rabbits as different Nintendo characters. I think it would have actually been cooler if they came up with their own characters, but it's funny. So, is there a rabid Gino and Molo? <laughs> that would be awesome. That's that while I play it. The one other thing that's kind of a bummer is. You don't when you're not battling. You don't move Mario. You move like a Roomba that is like Mario and everybody follows. So you can't jump or do any of the normal stuff you do in a Mario game. The the like I saw that you collect coins though. Is yeah. That... So the coins are to buy weapons. Okay. And there's tons of weapons. So you can replay worlds to get more coins because like there's way too many weapons to buy and not enough. Co- like even if you 100% all the bo- battles and you 100% battles by doing it a certain amount of turns. Uh, not a lot of people dying. Um, so, yeah, I've talked for like a million years. So <laughs> we're going to go on a break real quick, and then we'll come back and do
5: that news. This has been the longest podcast ever, a million years.
6: Sorry.
4: Hey, everyone venture into the pop culture cosmos today where you'll hear our conversations on different topics within the world of movies tv video games comic books technology board gaming and more you'll also get a taste of some of our other shows within the cosmos as well so come on and join us each week as we delve into the pop culture cosmos welcome
0: to the pop culture cosmos
2: We're back with the news. We got something cool from one of our favorite developers. Hit it at
7: me, I guess. (laughs) Eric. Or Donna. Um, Just announced uh, Mario Rabbids 2 Assassin's Creed Edition. That's the one. We love it. It's like they keep making games for us. Yeah. Yeah, That's the (laughs) games we love is the Assassin's Creed. What's interesting is that the Rabbid costume DLC that's coming with this is not just Assassin's Creed. It's actually Noctis. In assassin's creed gear so it's as like a, a double rabid. costume <laughs> so it's a yeah, it's, it's awesome. a rabid
5: noctis dressed as an assassin so when he gets chased by the scooby-doo team they're gonna pull off one mask and it won't actually be the person wearing it exactly is okay. there gonna be a rabid gladiolus too as and also as an assassin oh yeah there'll be a rabid gladiolus <laughs> as Rabbit. long as he keeps saying like weird things like bro and stuff so oh man I miss Final Fantasy 15.
7: But anyways, there is some cool Let's uh, talk about it. We never talk about that. We've
2: thing. never talked about. Why don't
5: we never talk about Final Fantasy? I know.
2: We're the only actually I feel like we are one of the only podcasts out there that likes Final Fantasy 15. I listen to a lot of video game podcasts and everyone it, it, seems to it gets
5: bashed a lot, I don't
2: Yeah, nobody seems to like the Final Fantasy series. A few people played it in Super Nintendo and they enjoyed that and then I, they I don't all know fell if I'd off. say
5: nobody because it's sold a whole lot of copies.
7: No, it just yeah. seems like a lot of people in video game press don't Yeah, uh, critic critic culture is inherently filled with dicks that true. need to be critical because they're either unhappy or they just they feel like that's what makes them like oh. Oh, I'm like an artistic I'm critic because I get
5: things. <laughs> Look at how negative I am. Well, Look how it. many how many critics actually play games anymore? Like that's I listen to a lot of gaming podcasts. It doesn't sound like these guys like spend that much time even huh. playing them anymore. Maybe like an hour per game because they get it for free. But yeah, I mean, kind of bums me out. Yeah,
2: but I I mean, that's a huge discussion we can get to soon. But I want to hear about the actual developer
7: (laughs) making the actual game we're interested in. So, speaking of Final Fantasy. (laughs) Nice. The inventor of Final Fantasy is putting out a new mobile game uh, through Mistwalker, his company. I hate mobile games. Um, Terra Battle 2. And he actually is planning on... I think over the next like six years, it's either over the next six years, he's planning on making like eight games or over the next eight years, he's planning on making six games in this Terra battle universe, which is a fascinating universe. It's very, um, it's very mysterious. It's very old Final Fantasy where it's like medieval-ish, but not really at all. But there's like technology and there's, it's like just kind of weird um, it's very fun. The first Terra battle was a really good game. Um, it's gotten really complicated over the years, so it's hard to get into for me, at least to get back into it because there's way more systems involved in it. But when I first, when it first came out, I used to play it every single day. Um, and it works, it's a strategy RPG kind of game and it works because it was designed for mobile. It wasn't like Hey, let's make a platformer and put it on mobile, or hey, let's make like a regular RPG and put it on mobile, which always sucks because mobile controls are, you know, terrible. Terrible. Yeah. But this is a game that works because it's made with the idea, like it's conceptually built on what can mobile do. Um, So it's a fun strategy battle game. And they've now announced a sequel and another game called Terra Wars. Um, More on that in a sec. Terra Battle Two. I watched the trailer this week. Um, These are all in the same universe. Well, yeah. Okay. Um, as far as I can tell, um, I mean the Terra the Terra Wars has a ton of characters that I recognize. So, um, but Terra Battle Two is a sequel, um, and it looks like it's got a lot of new features. It's got like dungeon exploring, um, and I, my Japanese reading is uh, is not at all.
2: Is not at all non-existent, <laughs> so
7: I can't tell you. Gotta level up that skill tree, man. Yeah, but or in Tomb Raider you find little glyphs and they teach languages. <laughs> but yeah, even the dungeon crawling alone looked interesting. It's done in the same way. So the way wait, there's dungeon crawling? I thought it was a card-based like game. Terror
2: Battle Two? I mean, not like card. Like you're little icons and you move across the screen.
7: Yeah, so they have they have like dungeon rooms that you move your party through. As okay. little screen icons, the same way battle looks, but it's bigger. Okay. And then you can find there's like packs of monsters that you can engage with. Oh, okay. And then it'll go to the normal battle screen.
2: Oh, okay. Is
7: this, and this is Terra Battle Two we're talking about, still yes. right? Okay. Okay. Terra Battle Two. Forget when it comes out, but there's like a pre-registration campaign going on right now. So if you pre-register, it's all you do is enter, give it your email address, and then they give you stuff. And it's a lot like their download campaign they did for Terra Battle One, which was the more people that download it, the more content they'll add to the game. It's free, so um, the game is free. And there's kind of like a there's a bit of Terra Battle that's like an all-star roster because it has pretty much like every major player in good JRPGs, uh, meaning that no one, as far as I can tell, from the Tale series has ever been involved in Terra Battle. Oh, nice. Um, but like the guy from uh, Nobuo Yomatsu has made all the music for Terra Battle, uh, all the original music. But then as they had more people download it, they had like Yoko Shimomura from Kingdom Hearts, Legend of Mana, Parasite Eve, Final Fantasy 15. She put music to it. They've had other character designers like um, uh, like Tetsuya Nomura or like Yoshitaka Omana um, come in and like make new characters for the game, which is cool. They've had the guy that did the whole uh, Ivalis Final Fantasy Tactics Final Fantasy Twelve universe, Matsuno. He came in and did a um, like a whole campaign quest that he wrote for the game. Um, I'm pretty sure they also had Mitsuda from Chrono Trigger Music Fame uh, do some tracks. So for the game. So is,
5: it's like an all-star universe, like made by the best people.
7: Pretty much who've um, made things. Yeah. So. Um, they've he's said that he's going to make a console game of this universe so that'd be cool yeah, yeah. no one knows anything about it or what's you know <coughs> when it'll happen or anything like that and do we know if terra wars might be that console game or is no that, that's i do mobile think so mobile? It, okay. i don't know if it'll be a mobile game but i think that he'll probably do like a more mature like full rpg experience for whatever the console game is sounds fun I but mean. uh yeah, Terra Wars is interesting. It's like claymation. I don't. The, the trailer has zero gameplay for it, so I have no idea what it's all about. But it looks interesting. Yeah. I think too. Like if if
5: they were to come out with that, like it sounds fun. But I would hope that they would do a better job of marketing it
7: here than most JRPG creators do. Well, the issue is that um, I think they did a pretty good job because the game had tons of downloads because they reached a lot of milestones oh, with good. it. Yeah. Um, but um. I think the issue is that I remember it came out, uh, and I didn't see like a single peep about it on the web. I don't know if there was like Sony paid everyone to like not support Miss Walker games because that dude left Sony. Ah, uh, sort of hurt, butt hurt over it. Yeah, I feel like that's probably what happened, or if Square did it because he left Square. I don't know, uh-huh. but um, or if like I don't know. I was it, was it was it was like strangely silent. I barely saw a peep about it until months later. I feel like
2: yeah i would like uh i'd like them to get back to console games like last story lost odyssey i honestly i just want a re-release of last story as i don't have a way to play it anymore um i never
7: got to play yeah an hd last story would be incredible Mm. lost odyssey was really good yeah lost
2: odyssey was great lost odyssey and blue dragon though you can play on xbox one so at least it's like if you own a modern system you can play them yeah last story i mean you i guess if you own a wii u but
7: But also with last story because it's a Wii game, it's not HD at all. Yeah. It so would... it's rough. Whereas Lost Odyssey, Blue Dragon, um, you know, they're at least released on, like, Xbox 360, so it doesn't look... They, they, look, yeah. they,
5: they still look amazing if like, you yeah. were to play them today.
2: Yeah, I I hope they get back to that. I know that's, like, a huge, expensive climb. I would be okay even if they went, like, a... Th- 30, 16 32 bit look if that's if like the you know the crazy HD they don't get because I think the reason why they were able to make Lost Odyssey and Blue Dragon is because Microsoft publishing mm-hmm. like I wouldn't be surprised if some of that money was Microsoft oh tons of
5: that money was Microsoft
7: so, they've like basically funded the company in the beginning so, yeah. so what they
5: they pool what are they just an indie company now do they not
2: uh, I don't know. I think they've—I mean—they've I mean, they've always been separate, but I think they did a public a deal for those two games uh, to be okay. on uh, Xbox, and then I don't know if they had a deal with Nintendo for like the Blue Dragon Nintendo DS games or the or uh, Last Story, but there was something there because those games were all on Nintendo. So I assume it wasn't just like, hey, let's just put it on Nintendo. I assume there was like a publishing deal. Yeah. But um, you've been mentioning another game that has RPG influences from uh. From old Gearboxy himself. What is it,
5: Joyce? Yeah, so there's not a lot of news on the... Borderlands 3 Front. I know we're, we're all of us, most oh, of me, beta are just like so stoked about it. No, I, I really am like looking forward to it. But uh, I right. love
7: Borderlands 1 and 2. They're right. so right. funny. Yeah. Yeah.
5: The, the pre-sequel is okay. had Pre-sequel's some moments. I skipped out um, on that one.
7: It sucks. You but didn't but miss it. It's
5: Randy dude, had, some funny, like, it had some funny side the, quests. The though. idea,
2: though, where you have to... Sorry, real quick, before we get to the thing, though, we got to talk about pre-sequel, just real fast. Okay. The idea where you had to have oxygen, and then you had to run around and find it on the map was the worst. It's not fun in any game. There is not a game on Earth where like, hey, this is a fun idea and then to make that the entire game Makes it miserable.
5: Well, see, I've, I thought that at first too, like when that with that feature was first introduced, and then as I got like better shields, better, uh, um, I don't know what you call them, respirators or something, but like a, it didn't really matter that much to me. Cause you I'll, still have to go find them though, occasionally. Y- yeah, you do, and sometimes you you just look for enemies that drop the good ones. But yeah, I can see that being frustrating. It's, but like I didn't, I stopped noticing it after a while. And
2: also after Borderlands Two, where all of the environments were so diverse and really really cool oh. to take you to place where it's just like I get that hey you're just on the moon have fun you know I don't know because I liked all the classes I actually was really uh, you know I got uh, the Borderlands HD collection and I was pretty excited to play pre-sequel but But anyways go ahead with old uh, Randy Pitchford uh, I always
7: play Siren so Siren's
5: fun man I don't don't know have you guys ever played his Claptrap no that's is that only pre-sequel or is that also 2 I I think it's in I don't know if you can download them in 2 but in pre-sequel like his special is literally a like a slot machine type thing so you don't know what you're gonna get and he has this one where it's called rubber ducky and it doesn't do anything except rain rubber ducks
2: that's pretty awesome and
5: he has another one where like he makes all of your t- everyone on your team go gun zerk so they can't control their ammo output they're just shooting things they have no control over it for like 30 seconds
2: Oh man, yeah. He I did like the Necromancer
7: situation. And yeah. the
2: uh the Mecromancer and the soldier, are the two I played. I didn't actually I mean, I guess I have them now, but I haven't gone back and played all the other characters like the I don't, I don't remember what they're called. I don't remember the enemies, but they had one that's like in Borderlands 2 you played as like the the Mad Max people yeah That's yeah he plays
5: Krieg, Krieg the psycho Oh, uh, okay um, but yeah I border the pre-sequel did do a good job of closing out that uh like showing you what happened to the area you're hanging out in in Borderlands 1 like what became of that because oh. you go into like Claptrap's memory and play around with that stuff but anyways uh Randy Pitchford got on he was talking about um the art style of Borderlands, and he's saying that it put a ceiling on the success of the game. So well, the, the yeah, game... He means it's sealed its success. Sealed. <laughs> he must. I mean... This is going to be successful. I'm sealing it. what? I mean, he, it, the game sold like 30 million units? Like that? That's... High? That, that sounds high. You th- sure? I don't know. It says right here. It's Randy like Bitchford, if you're listening, you are an 30 idiot. Million. I don't know um anyways but like yeah he, he he would have said he was saying that like if he they would have gone with the more realistic art i don't remember if you guys remember the concept art yeah. from the original game
2: i don't remember the concept art but i remember it was supposed to look
5: like call of duty yeah it, well it, the the concept art looked more like a mixture of call of duty and bioshock but i i think that that would be terrifying like that would not be fun to me It'd there's be,
7: already a game that did a realistic art version of uh borderlands that was very underwhelming it, at least sales ra- rage, called rage right? yeah, yeah yeah rage oh yeah i forgot about rage yeah it's i heard it's good but yeah no no i'm not saying the game is bad i'm saying yeah. that you Just, know it was not successful yeah so yeah because i remember they were trying to base like a whole franchise off of that yeah i think part of the reason that that was less successful though is because it was like half really well-designed shooter and then half racing yeah and racing sucks Real quick, we gotta go over this.
2: There is a chicken near here. I don't wanna give which location we're at, but uh that is insane.
7: <laughs> it's actually a rabid chicken.
2: We are Uh-oh. we are in a very big <laughs> suburb of about five million people. I think we've even mentioned kind of what area we're in before. And this is we're in like a neighbor community,
7: <laughs> nowhere near rural, and there is a chicken. You don't have like, chickens? Th- yeah, they got chickens next door. Oh my goodness. This <laughs> They have I was, chickens next door and like a millionaire's pool with like a rock slide and all that. Full, is the chicken so chickens? they get like free old <laughs> <full> chickens? <laughs> is the chicken so they
2: get like free eggs or something like healthy eggs or? I have no idea. Hey, like, cause I my parents have a friend who has that exact same thing, so they get like real or eggs or whatever.
5: Did you know that it's illegal in California to purchase a ferret, but you can go across the state lines and buy one and bring it back here? Uh, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, and I, cause that's I was, not fair at all I
2: actually met somebody yeah, sorry one more topic change while we're on weird <laughs> animals I met somebody yesterday who said that you if you get the right paperwork you can own a monkey so they're going what? down to Mexico to see monkeys and then those people are bringing the monkeys up to their house
5: as long as you have paperwork. Are they going to steal one? How does that no, work?
2: No, no. I guess you can leak according to this I person. I you meant sea monkeys. You can sea have mon- sea monkeys. monkeys. Okay. Yeah, you can have sea, as many sea monkeys as you want. No, I. he said that they're about three or $4,000 and you buy one and you ha- just have to get proper documentation and paperwork. But, yeah, they're planning on doing I just thought that was crazy. I thought monkeys were
7: illegal, and maybe they are. And- uh, have you ever watched Friends season whatever, one or yeah. two? <laughs>
2: season whatever. With it Marcel. is one or two
7: with Ross, and
2: then later in season, like, six
7: or seven. I don't know when he sees for,
2: like, yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny that they do that throwback. I wonder how many people are like, what, the monkey's back. The monkey. But it brings in uh, JVC, right? Or JVCD? How would you say his name? John Claude Van Damme. J-C-V-D,
5: I guess um anyways anything else from randy oh any, yeah sorry i was looking at the um, number of copies so i guess it's a combined 25 million copies uh, between pc between, xbox and playstation well yeah. between all the games
7: still it's a way more unique game the way it is than it would have been if it was like a super hyper realistic game
5: yeah I, I think well just think about like the writing style like if you were playing a game that looked like bioshock and the characters talked like they did in uh borderlands i don't think it would have the same like fun effect to me
9: yeah
7: yeah i mean that's why fallout 4 is so boring yeah i also i also think it's kind of crazy to like because they made a game in the a a game a universe that's supposed to be funny with boring everything yeah (laughs) yeah i I thought you were being sarcastic
5: i think it's kind
2: of (laughs) crazy no no i'm not i'm not
7: being sarcastic
2: (laughs) i think it's kind of crazy to have like a shoulda woulda coulda type mentality the game did well it it's not like a bad decision they just made one because they probably didn't have the money or whatever they wanted to do I, it's just like... It worked out well, yeah, though. It, to me, it's like one of those things that you always hear about where like J.K. Rowling's like changing the ending to Harry Potter or changing stuff. It's like this stuff... Well, do- this yeah. actually meant that. Yeah, like this stuff doesn't matter. You had a thing. It came out. You you released it to the public. Like, great. Write a tell-all
7: book and people who really care can read about it. Right. They don't retcon things. That's the most annoying yeah, yeah, I looking at you, Final Fantasy 13 yeah, Oh two. Yeah, we're constantly changing we, the ending. We love your game. We love your game. <laughs> it's, uh, um, how 13 ended? That didn't happen. No.
2: Ask Randy Pitchford when like Borderlands 3 is gonna be done. Otherwise, when his studio is closing because like what is going on with his studio? All they released was um, oh, what's that game? The one that sold terribly. Duke Nukem uh, Storm. But, no not Bolt Storm. they released oh I guess they released that too that didn't sell well yeah Battle, but they just re-released it right because yeah. they didn't make it yeah Yeah. Battleborn Battle is the one where now. they sold okay. it and there was like do you just, know you
5: can go to Target and buy that game for $6
2: I think it's free to play now isn't it is it oh, I, I know okay. I know Evolve went free to play maybe Evolve was the only one
5: but yeah it's I don't know they need to make Borderlands 3 hey, for real though like if they don't announce Borderlands 3 this year I don't think people are going to care anymore yeah, I I think
2: it's a hard market as it is. Like we were talking about Path of Exile earlier in the show, and there are enough good free to play like action RPGs Ooh. that it's kind of hard to be it's, like, hey, it's sixty bucks. I wonder
7: if if Randy Pitchford saying that is like a hint that Borderlands Three is gonna be <sighs> terrible. Like I ho- I change the that. art style, you mean? Yeah, like,
2: they might do that. And you know what? As long as the gameplay is still fun, I I guess I don't
5: care that much. I think it's, it's just dumb to say to like. To me, like it's not—it's the gameplay. It's a mixture of the gameplay and the writing that draws me into that series. Yeah, I mean, some of the writing, some of the writing's pretty bad, man. It's, but it's, uh, it's funny though. Like it, uh, some of it. It's—it's it's a game where I can just sit down. I don't have to think. I can play. it. I yeah, it's just most games. The, yeah.
2: yeah, you can play Madden too
7: if you want to not think. <laughs> like, I <don't>, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't play Borderlands as much if it wasn't as hilarious as it was. Yeah, I—I yeah.
2: think it's funny. I just think like okay, if characters I remember thinking were kind of funny, Tiny Tina. But there were a she lot of awesome. there were a lot of characters where I just thought, eh, that's a character, you know. Like just it's like
5: the random things that the the psychos say. Like those always make me laugh too.
2: Psychos. Uh, my favorite thing that I remember from the game aesthetically was the uh, the char- the boss introductions. I always like that. I just like that period in movies or like the freeze frames. And all yeah, that. And yeah, glorious bastards when they do that with. Uh, oh, I can't remember that guy's name. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. No, they do it with that guy, the German guy, Hitler. Stiglitz. Hitler, <laughs> Hitler. That, those are all the characters. Okay, so I'm gonna talk about something cool and see what you guys think about it. um Did you guys watch the Nintendo Indies Direct yesterday? I thought you said you were gonna talk about something cool. <laughs> ah, all the haters in here, I need me some lovers. I did. Okay? I did. Email us at superbscast at gmail dot com and spread the love of the Nintendo Indies. What do you think about it, Josh? I, I'm
5: intrigued. um I'm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna rush out to buy any of those games, but they look. Some of them look cool. Like the golf RPG looks yeah, fun. Yeah, Golf um, Story. That one looks great. Yeah, I'm really excited for that. And I, I don't. I didn't see any gameplay from the No More Heroes. I remember I liked that game when it was on the Wii, but mm-hmm. I don't. Uh, I don't remember enough about it to be like, hey, I'm gonna run out and buy this game or play it when it comes out.
2: So I, I had a side convo with uh, old Donny, um, aka the Donna, my lady Madonna, before we started this. And I think the reason why it was uh, less overwhelming than it should have been is because they were trying to focus on all the games that got Nintendo Switch exclusive garbage, versus the games that are just the awesome indies that will come out to Switch, um, without any cool added stuff.
5: That makes sense.
2: So I was just wondering what you guys thought of that. Like, there, the, Nintendo Switch is still supposed to have like Hollow Knight. It will probably get Hyper Light Drifter. It's like, I mean, the the list of indie games is is going to be pretty
5: impressive. The thing is. Nintendo with the Nintendo Switch, like it has enough people who want to play stuff on it to where yeah. I don't think they have to worry about not just having exclusives. Like, if they even, like you were mentioning, games that are going to come out on all platforms, people will still go out to play it on the Switch. It's like when we're talking about uh, Skyrim, like we, yeah. just, we just want stuff to play on the Switch. So it's, you know, yeah. it doesn't really matter to us.
7: Yeah. I, uh, I'm worried that it's gonna be it's gonna come down to like Nintendo executive board stubbornness. Like it reminds me of when the dude, some jackass from Square Enix said like, if you want a sequel to Chrono Trigger, buy more Chrono Trigger. Nice. And it's like the game came out twenty five <laughs> years ago or whatever. People have but bought also, tons of it too. Also, like, to be fair, I think that a sequel to Chrono Anything that made by Square nowadays would be a disaster. So yeah. an awful, awful, awful disaster. Um, Because no one that made those games is there anymore. So preserve that memory. Um, But I'm afraid that it's going to come down to this thing where like Nintendo pushes a bunch of like subpar indie games and then no one buys them and then they stop because they're like, oh, well, no one really wanted them. It's like, well, give us good ones. And I I hope you're wrong about that, but I could
2: because every single developer right now is saying like, well, we'll see how much this sells, and then we'll tell you if we're going to... Like, that's what EA did. That's what Capcom's doing. That's, like, what everyone's doing with the Switch right now is, hey, if you want more games, buy the our crappy game that you don't want. Like, they they Capcom said that about Street Fighter 2, I want to say, and then now they're going to release another game. They said, well, it depends on how much this next one sells. And it's like, well, that's are you going to keep releasing crappy stuff and expecting everyone such, to buy it?
5: That's such a bad mentality, though. I mean, if you the fans will pay money for stuff that they actually want to play so if you why why create something that's crappy and then hope that they'll buy it and then base the game whether or not they you create the game that fans actually want on the sales of something they don't want to play yeah silliness
2: it's it's really dumb but I I mean what are you gonna do you can't stop those companies from doing that they all released games on Wii U none of their games sold because the Wii U just didn't sell and so now they're all holding grudges Um,
5: (laughs) Hey, good for Nintendo though for like figuring out how to get them back on the map.
2: Yeah, that's that's I'm glad. Well, I think one of the biggest things is there's just a lot of switches out there. I want to say there's like five, four or five million out right now, and there's a lot of people who want stuff to play. You yeah. know, Zelda was great, but it only lasts so long. So yeah, it was
5: a pretty pretty long game. Yeah, too, sure, like.
2: <laughs> but it's eighty hours, and you can take it to on the go with you yeah. or play it at home. Like Which game, uh, Breath Z- of the Wild. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. That I probably finished Breath of the Wild faster than I've finished.
7: Faster than you could breathe.
2: Faster than oh. I could breathe. Faster than I finished any eighty hour game before. Like I've I don't think I've ever put like I think I finished in under a month, which is I maybe back in the day Kingdom Hearts two
7: is the only game I could Kingdom think of. Kingdom Hearts Two is not an eighty hour game.
2: No, but I put in like sixty hours
7: into I remember that the game. fastest long game I ever like I think I put hundred hours into Final Fantasy twelve in like a month.
2: Okay, Final Fantasy Twelve. I put a lot of time into, but I played that. I want to say all the way through
5: Jeez. December. Um, I because I'm still playing the Zodiac Age, so I'm like hoping. I,
7: I beat it with it. I beat it in like within a month of it coming out. Okay,
5: because um, I I played maybe like three hours at night, and I'm I am do not want to sit there. I don't want to spend forever playing it. But why don't you do I, the I fast forward feature? It. Can You do it? Huh. Yeah, you just pre- I hold you. I heard you just hold R one or
2: something. Like there's a fast forward feature in the game. Look up, look it up, and it just lets you play the whole game sped up. Really. Yeah, oh, way?
5: yeah, because, uh, yeah, well, it doesn't, like, it, all the characters just walk really fast.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's fast yeah. forward, so it's yeah. just double the, the normal rate. That's something, if they do re-release any games from now on, they need to release them with a fast forward feature, like Bravely Default. Like, they need to just have, they need to allow you to turn off random
7: battles or turn them up, like, if they're going to keep doing re-releases. Speaking of that, there should definitely be some Bravely appearances on Switch.
2: Really? Oh, are you just hoping, or, yeah? Yeah, hoping. I think I think they will. I don't know how well the second one sold, but I want to say the first one sold really well. So um, that you know, Square Enix is going to keep trying to make money. I'm just hoping Bravely Default's part of it because I know they're releasing Lost Sphere, on which uh, looks
5: awesome.
7: Also, Project Octopath, I would like to see more of. That actually looks cooler than Lost Sphere based on the three screenshots I got.
5: Yeah, I don't (laughs) know
7: what happened to that. That was like in their like
2: their press event. Like I know it's not coming anytime soon, but. They haven't mentioned Dragon Quest. They haven't mentioned Octosphere. Like, I don't know when they're... in that, that No More Heroes game that you mentioned, I don't think that's the No More Heroes that uh, Suda was talking about. It might be, but I'm not sure if that was the same one that you mentioned at the press event at the earlier part oh, okay. of the year. So there's a lot of stuff I, I would like to know. Hey, what's going on? But it's Nintendo. Any, any news we get at all is going to be like, whoa, this is cool. They said something. This is amazing.
5: They're uh, very good to it. Like, not... Uh leaking stuff like ubisoft does
2: yeah i i mean that's a good thing but at the same time it's like i want to know like kind of what's going on occasionally like yeah yeah it'd be nice ubisoft is like a leaky ship for sure but (laughs) i would rather have that and get some knowledge than like
7: oh hey are we ever going to get a virtual console is that something because ubisoft is constantly at war with the templars yeah (laughs) that's true oh man i I think that we will get a virtual console when an alien oh
5: when an alien when is an president alien is okay yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. uh but like no that. no we'll, we'll, i think we'll get one when uh, switch sales start to drop a little bit
2: yeah i don't that's a dumb that's the worst idea i've heard but they're not gonna the if that's true though they're not gonna drop this year like odyssey's yeah. not even out yet and you still can't find them in the store shelves so i don't know one last thing i want to talk about nintendo wise before we move on to the topic of the week um the SNES Mini Classic thing—I I can't remember if we. Oh, actually, there's two more things. But uh I don't remember if we talked about this last week. But I know we talked about them, like finishing all the bun, uh, finishing all the sales, right? Right. Yeah. Did we talk about how Think Geek is bundling the SNES Mini? It's so
5: typical. Best Buy does that crap all the time. Yeah,
2: and that's the only way. And Think Geek is owned by. Uh, uh, GameStop. So they're used right?
5: They're used and you have to used. buy the uh, protection plan. Yeah, but
2: you had to buy, like, it, like I was looking at one and the cheapest one was $100 over the cost of it or $70 over the cost of it. But you had to get it with, like, a Street Fighter statue that I was like, what am I going to do with this Ryu statue? Like, We're going to bundle this Nintendo with a blender. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's so dumb. And so I read a comment today from Rolling Stones talking to GameStop about it. And they said we just bundle stuff with things that we know gamers would like to buy. And it's like if they really want to buy it unbundled, they can come into our stores. See,
5: this has always been a huge problem with GameStop is the fact that they <clears throat> completely underestimate like how poor their uh, gamers are. Like we, if, yeah. if I want to go out and buy a game chances are I don't have like $80, $90 to spend on a special edition or something or like a bundle. I just want to pay the minimum and I want to get out of the the store and play my game.
2: I think that's GameStop's thing, you know? They are all about trading in games and all that stuff, but I think the big thing they know with SNES Mini is that they'll be able to offload all this garbage because people want it and all the resellers know that they Mm -hmm. can make the money from it, so they're going to sell all of this garbage with it that you can't get rid of, you know? And then you're just stuck with zelda chess
5: for a lot like a way higher <laughs> do, cost than it should be do you ever go in there and they try to sell you that uh that game replacement plan or whatever it is they're like come on man it's only an extra six dollars and we'll replace anything that happens in the game what am i going to do with the disc throw it like a frisbee like yeah i, just, I, I do that all the time yeah <laughs> what i wait so what is this it's a game replacement it's, plan it's, so they give you this it's like i think it's like three four three bucks three no i it's not, it's it's like three or four dollars but they put this uh bless your soul yeah they, they say hey we'll uh you buy this and it'll guarantee that we'll replace the game if anything happens, if it gets scratched or whatnot. And they put a sticker on the inside of the cover. But honestly, like- So I'm, you have more stickers
2: on stuff. Yeah, the thing yeah, I always wanted yeah, from GameStop.
5: I'm very protective of my
7: games. Like I, yeah. they'll they'll go
5: from the case to the console and then from the console to the case. Yeah, well, I, I soak all my games in
7: grape juice. Okay, see, that yeah, makes sense you, to when me. When you do that, the game is like, it's like a game shark. It makes the game, you get, you're invincible and everything. In but games. it only works if it's exactly room temperature. <laughs> And it's exactly 10 minutes. So one second over, one second under, you have to go get my game replaced. So
2: I man. like that because then they say, oh, grape juice Saxton, huh? <laughs> no, I bet I would bet that even if you paid their extra $4, which is crazy because that's almost 10% of the game's cost. Yeah. I bet that they still have enough clauses in there that if it's broken a certain way, they don't replace mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Like, I bet if you break it, it's not replaced. Yeah. So... I mean GameStop has a lot of issues one of which is are they selling Xbox One X's I know the Amazon pre-orders went up and they sold out and then I know a second wave went up I haven't checked to see if they sold out yet what do you guys
5: think about that everybody's been talking about this week because I went by the I went into GameStop last week to uh, pick up um, Uncharted and they there's a sign on the door that said we are not doing any pre-orders in store of the Xbox One. So really? I, I was curious about that, too. I thought maybe oh, I think just Sony a, paid them for that. An online yeah, thing. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Sabotage. Sony, with all their No Man's Sky money, the game that they said they didn't support at all, <laughs> even though they had it on their E3 stage <laughs> yeah, for a, two years in yeah. a row.
7: No, I can't believe that they made that mistake and released No Man's <laughs> Sky.
2: We definitely weren't a part of this.
5: Oh, yeah. <laughs> but now, actually, I hear they're cleaning up their act a little bit. And yeah, No Man's Sky. That's,
2: anyways, back to Xbox One X, though. What do you guys think is going to happen with this thing? Because everybody, like, I was listening to this, this uh, podcast recently, and there was mm-hmm. a guy who's pro Xbox, but he mentioned this, and it's like, when Microsoft does something bad where, like, this year, right now, they have almost no exclusives, besides they have the console exclusive of, of Player Unknown's Battleground, but they have almost no exclusives, so everybody's ready to, like, take the torch to them, versus, like, when Sony's PS4 had almost no exclusives for a year, like, after, I mean, they had the original Knack and whatever, uh, Knack and Killzone, Nobody cared. So I'm just curious, what what do you guys think is going to happen? Because nobody has, for all the goodwill Microsoft's built up, Everybody seems to hate their guts and want them to fail <laughs> at all times. They're
5: losing that goodwill though, because you think about it, they, the console exclusives is a problem. Like they and they promised fans like a new Fable game, they canceled it. They yeah. they have other IPs okay. that were.
2: So I have a question: Why are they? Why do you think they're losing this goodwill? Like, okay, they canceled games that probably were terrible. Would you rather have them release like a six or a five or would, a three? I would game? rather
5: them give fans something they want though. Like, dude. so
2: okay, but if Scalebound was literal dog.
5: Doo doo. Would you rather have them like feed it to you and say, "Hey, here's your game." No, but I mean, if they're gonna cancel Scalebound, like put put the money towards something else, like give us something that we actually want to play. Like, don't give us like a a remaster or another version of a game and but um, games take a long time to make that's that's true but i mean just knowing that it's, it's happening like I, I i would love to see another like original fable like the way that it was meant to be played not the four player or whatever it is but they can totally do that and they won't they're not doing it
2: and they might be doing that games take like four or five years to make now so you think about four or five years That's when Don Matic was still, Don Matrick, Don Matic, whatever, he was still president of Xbox. That was the guy who told you that if you didn't have Always Online to, like, F off. So he was definitely not pro-people, you know? Like, he just didn't care about the consumer. He was a prideful dude. We have Phil Spencer now. Yeah. Like, I I just think, like, people are willing to cast off goodwill, but they don't realize, like, hey, you can play backwards-compatible games. That's something... I mean, none of the other consoles yeah, offer. That's
5: true. I, th- I think one big problem though is there's a lot of uh, franchise fatigue too. Like the yeah, for sure. That's something they they that do hopefully they'll Halo, fix. Halo, Gears of War. Because if you notice, a lot of the, f- the old franchises that made that sold a lot with PlayStation, like Resistance, Killzone. Um, yeah, but those
7: games are shit. Yeah, yeah, they yeah, but too. I mean
5: like they were like the the flagpoles of Killzone specifically is laughable. Ah, kill, yeah, well, Killzone, Killzone and terrible, Resistance, they were are like both garbage. They were originally like advertised kind of like as the flagpoles of these new Sony consoles, Well, but... That was for
2: Sony's PS3, one of the till the end of its life cycle, it was the worst-selling Sony right, right. console but ever. the point
5: I'm making though is that they eventually let these franchises burn out instead of like it's cuz unlike Halo,
2: those games didn't sell well. Yeah. <laughs> like
5: it's not nor were they good. Yeah, so yeah. it's it's kind of like a different thing
2: and like the goodwill that you mentioned like not having console exclusives instead they've done something that everyone asked them to do put their games on PC which since they also own the Microsoft OS it's yeah cause, like yeah how can people blame them for something that they want, they've asked for you know like hey put your games on a PC because you own the Microsoft OS I
5: think a lot of it too is that a lot of a lot of game reviewers hate Xbox I don't know why I, that to me doesn't make sense game like podcasters they they don't like Xbox and I don't get it
2: yeah to me it's it's like really 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 frustrating that there's you know some type of
5: you know like uh thing going on um but like as for the xbox one i think that it'd be
7: interesting to research conspiracy theories on that because i just think i can't tell if it's just like 4chan neckbeards that just love to like like sit there and talk swallow anything that comes out of sony's body (laughs) um or if it's like like people are paid off. i don't like i have no idea what it is I mean, it's probably. I mean, it's probably nothing. It's just. It's just weird, though. It makes you wonder. But I'd be interested to. I'm sure there's like crazy conspiracy theories somewhere. Ah.
2: I just think, like, when Sony's PS4 Pro came out, everybody knew it was a dumb idea, but it didn't get as much flack as I feel like the X is getting, and yeah, sure, the, Xbox, the X is way too
5: expensive, but
2: that's a choice,
7: and like... I, I disagree. I do not think it's too expensive.
5: It's it's about the price, like, the Elite was when it came out, and people it's still It's about the same price it. as the
2: Xbox One was, and everybody hated it for that, because it was $100 too expensive, everyone I, I, I said. I think...
7: It's $100 cheaper than PS3 when it came out. No, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> I'm
2: not... Believe me, I, I th- I'm I've not... Not gonna buy it at 500 I don't I'm not one of the people who like hates Xbox for releasing it at 500 I don't think to me honestly like and PlayStation turned up like turned their act around this year and they finally got their games out and they did their stuff but I just don't get the hatred for Microsoft this is like that's the thing I don't as far understand.
5: as the Xbox One X goes I think this is the problem is that they they're banking so heavily on this this 4k technology and they want you to go out and buy this console but the problem is a lot of gamers like I said before like we're we're not rich like we 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 have yet eventually we're gonna st- start stepping into like the, the 4k territory but like we we're running old tvs we we don't have the equipment necessary
7: to get everything uh, i think they out know that it. though i don't think they're expecting this to be like a <coughs> bless you bless you um i don't think they're expecting this to sell like crazy amounts i think they've said that even like this yeah. is okay like a knit like a niche product almost so why do I mean, why why make it though? Like, because why not
2: make it? I mean, they're still going to make money off of it, okay? And it's I mean, still
7: it'll it'll be the most powerful console on the market, which they haven't had that for a while. Yeah, and yeah.
2: everybody was always angry. Oh, why is the Xbox so underpowered? We're getting 900P and like blah blah blah. And so finally, they can shut all those people up and say, Hey, if you want the best version, just so you have the option. It's just to me, it's like the hatred for them, like. I bought it, I'll be upfront. I bought an Xbox One first I did not buy my PS4 first I own a PS4, and Xbox One, and a Switch I bought my Xbox One first I liked the controller a lot more I liked the uh, Microsoft ecosystem in the 360 a lot I even enjoyed the original Xbox quite a bit For me, it's this hatred for Microsoft When I feel like in all in all As far as video game companies go They haven't done really anything wrong Or anything to deserve the hate Yeah, I used to
7: hate them back in the day When I was a Sony fanboy. But then Japanese games started sucking major balls. And I'm like... Yeah. Yeah. Like, it just was weird.
2: It's... I just don't think they deserve what's happening right now. And they they still are, like, getting good content. Like, people never want to, like, talk about the stuff they get. Because Sony... Sony has more games. PlayStation has more games than Xbox One does. Right. But Path of Exile is another game that's only on Xbox One and PC. And if you don't want to play PC games, you have it on Xbox. You know? Like, there's... Yeah, if you have a higher-powered PC, then why are you even wasting
5: time, you know? Xbox, like, Microsoft caters more to the fans than <laughs> Sony does, I feel like. So, yeah, So, I don't know, yeah. So Sony doesn't have to right now. Yeah, they just they have show the, an hour-long video at E3 and don't talk about
9: anything.
2: Yeah, I had a, I heard from someone recently, it's because they have Mindshare. Everybody, when they think of Call of Duty or Battlefront or whatever, because average Joe gamer is going to see these at a bar and be like, hey, I want to buy that, it says PlayStation. So I guess I have to buy it on PlayStation because Microsoft didn't pay the money for these exclusive deals, which, you know, whatever. It would be nice to see them, like, compete. It's crazy because I feel like
7: the the scene, like, Call of Duty competitive scene is, like, was way more active on Xbox back in the day. Yeah. Well, the the, the controller on the PlayStation
2: 4, as good as it is, the... uh, symmetrical joysticks are never gonna be as fun to play as and their uh their r2 l2 are just not as good as the right triggers like right trigger left trigger on xbox it's, One. it's more
5: satisfying to do that on the xbox yeah, controller for sure and it's yeah.
2: and there are games that are, are great on on playstation i've heard fighting games that i don't really play those so i don't really care but um you know i'm not i i didn't mean to like go on off in a long discourse about this i just it's something that's bothered me this whole generation we've talked about it several times but I just I still don't get it they have tons of goodwill yet everybody's angry at them like I,
5: I don't yeah, know what I, else
2: you could do you it's know just
5: become the popular thing to do I feel like amongst gamers and yeah it doesn't make sense to me
2: yeah well anyways uh, you guys just want to go on to the topic of the week sure. ah, I don't really need to do a break poo um, yeah let's do this my boys so what are your gaming habits like what? What do you guys do, uh, Donna? You mentioned something from last week that you yeah. like to do. What the is it? Sitting inside
7: you, I play Final Fantasy IV every year. Um, whenever I, you know, that's like a that's like a big kind of gaming ritual for me. Um, I'm trying to think of some other stuff that I do. Um, usually when I play, whenever I play like a PC RPG, I have lots of beer next to me yeah and then i usually play until i've drunk too much to really focus yeah and then you kind of (laughs) just fall asleep and i go Uh, to bed that's awesome (laughs) a lot of my pillars of eternity nights or a lot of my fallout one nights company with empty beer bottles yeah it's (laughs) awesome what about you josh you have any
5: habits um so i i used to play once a year i used to play through the mass effect trilogy okay and um I just the I, whole trilogy The whole trilogy oh my god what's that take okay, Like 30 or 40 50 hours it, it, it take me a, a couple couple weeks to go through all of them wow but um yeah because it's the fact, like I wasn't I didn't really like pay attention to what else was out then like, uh, what else okay. I'd like to play so that's kind of like my main my main squeeze um but yeah other than that like I, I, I when I whenever I play first-person shooters I drink beer yeah whenever I play role-playing games I have to play with the lights out. Really? Because I, I don't it helps me focus. Like I because when I'm in a role playing game I need to focus on the story and when the lights He's in are a on. Yeah. It gets weird bonus. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> he true. doesn't want to see him. True. Mom, yeah. go away. Um, <laughs> and you wear the cape. Up, and I wear the cape, yeah. But uh yeah, those are the extent of my strange gaming habits. Well it doesn't have to be strange. I'm just curious what habits you have.
2: Like for me, I will when I play a game like like Super Mario sixty four. I will play that game every time time it's released on something. I will buy it and I will play it to completion. Um, I will... A lot of games where there's collector's items where it's doable. Not every game. I don't want to say that. But I will get like the 120 stars or whatever if I really enjoy it. Like Hyper Light Drifter, I've been going for all trophies. Same with uh, Undertale. And that's not exactly like a trophy thing. It's just more like if I like this game... My habit is to go through it and play every single thing the game has to
7: offer. When I, uh, well, I listen to whenever I play a game that's I mean, I don't play games that suck. But whenever I play games that play really well and are mechanically really fun, but have terrible music basically anything by blizzard <laughs> um, I always listen to music what do you normally listen to like what's the soundtrack or something it uh, depends I used to listen to a lot of heavy metal when I played Wow back in the day because Wow was a good sucks. game for music. Yeah. Wow's wow, I mean the the music's not bad. It's just
2: I just ambient. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't. Think I hate it's, Blizzard music. It's just it's so subjective. I don't think it's like. Except bad. for
7: Warcraft 2. I never get tired of dun 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 dun
2: dun dun dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, the I-, I want that game to be re released and on console. Yeah, which I'm really I know bummed that, that they're, they're
7: remastering for? Warcraft oh, okay. three and Warcraft two. I
2: at some point I think we'll get Warcraft two. I want it like I know I'm a weird here but i want it on console i play command and conquer starcraft i played all those games on console command like and and i would I, I mean i know it will be better on pc and i will play it on pc if it's on that but i just don't like i don't play games on computer very much it's hard for me to sit down and like okay let me do this and do i do i'm just yeah. more comfortable well because yeah i sit on a certain games it's like it's
7: like computer rpgs but like I've I need to play on a PC. I've
2: heard Pillars yeah. of Eternity, which came out this week, and there's a lot of games we've
7: missed talking about recently. I just realized. But uh <laughs> That's that, another one pill- where all of the advertisements say PC and PlayStation 4, but it's on Xbox as yeah, well. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Oh, that's crazy. it, yeah. it
2: doesn't say Xbox on any of the no. well, that game just came out this week, and I've heard it's awesome. I've heard the console version of it works totally well. You control the characters by like um, you know, moving around. Like Path of Exile is a game I'm sure everybody who played on PC would have been like you're playing that on console like that is
5: stupid but it's a master race man
2: it works really well um divinity which i own that's a pc game that plays really really well on console like you can make games work on console and i feel like finally now with great companies like obsidian and i think larian is the one who does
5: divinity you're seeing that yeah Like, what was with, like, remember Counter-Strike when it came out on the 360? I played that. I loved it. It didn't sell nearly as much as it did on computers, but it still did very well for a uh, PC to console game. I also bought uh,
2: Counter-Strike on uh, the original Xbox. Hmm. Oh, that was a great game. But um Morrowind
5: on the original experience? Morrowind.
2: Oh yeah, that game was I, I, amazing.
5: I really want to go back and play that, but I just can't deal with the not knowing if I'm hitting something because there's no oh. noises. That's the one thing that well, bothers me. once about you get it. stronger oh, yeah, you should
7: just stop sucking at it. No,
5: no, no it's, I it's, I just I need to like feel like a, a vibration in my controller or something just to know Josh that. Not, needs his vibrators. I do. So that's another actually gaming uh, tradition of mine is I turn on all the vibrators. Everything's been spoiled by the Rumble Pack.
2: Gaming (laughs) habit I didn't mention is when there's a game I really, really love that's brand new, I'll normally grab like a beer or two. It's not just like RPG, but whatever game it is, if I really, really have been excited, grab beer or two, start it late. Yeah, know. I just grabbed them in my hands. I'm not even looking He doesn't play. Them. <laughs> He's got yeah, he beer controllers. controllers. He has beer one of those
5: straws that twirls up and he uh, puts it in his mouth yeah. not have to
2: hold it. Then I I get a milkshake from my mom <laughs> and then I play. No, but like I'll sit there like Fallout 4. When I was super excited for that game. As soon as it came out, I grabbed like my favorite beer, I sat down, I just played. And I'm gonna probably do the same thing with Super Mario Odyssey. Perfect beer game of all
7: time, but cannot wait for that. I um, know I'm sorry. The one, one one habit i have but it's it's a very it's hard to say that it's like a habit because it's unpredictable and who was i just talking to this about yesterday um oh shoot i was talking to someone about it i don't even know why but uh when i beat certain games and i just have to like not play anything for a while oh i was talking to danny about it oh Uh, okay what game were you guys talking about? He was talking about. Well, he was talking about experiencing that with Persona Five, where he had, was like depressed after because it was like I was done. He spent so what do much time in that world, and it was good. You know, I remember when I was thirteen and beat Final Fantasy Nine like um, a couple months after it came out, or after I got it for Christmas the year it came out. Um, I like couldn't play games for like a week.
2: Yeah, I've had that experience when you play a game that's kind of so moved. I- I haven't had it recently where it's been more than a few days, but I've had yeah, that.
7: Yeah, I think the last time I remember it was like Bioshock Infinite. Yeah. I've I that same feeling, though, with books. But it books. didn't It wasn't as long as like...
5: Yeah. Well, that was like Final Fantasy VII for me. Like, I'd been trying to beat that game for so long, and I did, and I'm like,
2: okay. I have that same feeling with books and movies, though, honestly. If I really, really love something, it's so hard for me to go into the next thing you know what I mean like it's hard for me to just be like oh I'll start Defenders after I watch Game of Thrones do you ever like
5: actually terrible compared to Game of Thrones it's true it is it's terrible compared to most things but do you ever go into a like a a new movies coming out and you want to watch like all the like the two or three ones that came before that and then by the time you finish watching the new one when you've built up to that point you're just so sick of it you don't even want to think about it for like no nah, I don't months. ever
2: I don't waste my time watching the previous ones I just kind of watch the new that, one. that's, that's what I do with, I do that with Star Wars and like I love
5: Star Wars but why I get, would
7: you watch one two and three I just unless I've, you're I've watching got... Backstroke of the West <laughs> <laughs>
5: I've got OCD like that I just I don't know why I do that real quick I forgot
2: we actually had a comment um, from a, a Garet Leon I don't know his uh, real name but Garrett Leon Um, if I'm not currently don't say anything if I'm not currently completing a game first time playthrough I will play my favorite levels of ones that I've already completed so that's one of his uh, gaming habits Yeah, I
7: can't tell you how many times I've seen him play Ninja Gaiden which one? The, whichever one's on playstation 3 or for xbox 360 i forget uh,
2: i think they released all of them on playstation 3 sigma? and i want to say 360 you could play all of them as well yeah ninja, um, ninja guy and sigma was that sigma that? Yeah, yeah that's playstation 3 and i want to say they have ninja Gaiden black on okay. xbox 360 because you could buy it through their back i that game was so much fun but it's so unbelievably hard like
5: i can't I can't beat it. Like, okay, good. I, th- I thought that that was just because I suck at video games. Yeah, but, I mean you do uh, suck at I video do, games, but, I mean that was like a whole other level of well, suck.
2: We got to wrap up pretty soon, but I want to ask you guys what were your favorite games from August? Like we're at the end of the month now. I just want to know what you what the game that you enjoyed the most this month, whether it came out this month or not. It
7: doesn't matter. Hell Donna, boy. what did you play and love? Um, I guess Path of Exile would probably be the only game I've really invested a lot of time into this month. That's
2: the one you enjoyed more than like Sonic Mania or the
7: other ones. Oh yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it more than Sonic Mania. Okay, and that, I, and that's not a slight. I I enjoyed Sonic Mania a lot. Yeah, but you just like Path of Exile more. Yeah. yeah. And what about you, Josh? What uh? uh what is game? Hellblade hellblade
5: um yeah I'm, I'm pretty obsessed with that game so it's, still you already beat it i, I did beat it and i, I just, just i still get over her I, teeth I, just,
2: I love her dude, teeth
7: that is, every time i watch something for it those her teeth comment it boards me
5: dude those comment boards are they're funny but they're so messed up because <laughs> they have the game in the game she's literally like mentally handicapped that's why she <laughs> looks like that don't spoil <laughs> games and, but, no, I mean, there's a big old. In fat what
7: way is she mentally handicapped? Like, it's gonna give away the ending of the game. Don't. Can I do it? No. Can I do it? Talk. We're well, almost done. Well, I mean, Kate, okay, tell me—is she well, like just don't? Is she like special needs or is she like nuts? She's a mixture of both
2: okay let's talk about this when we're done in three minutes i promise you in three minutes we will be done i want to just tell you what i like the most wait 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 wait. brian what do you
5: like the most in august
7: no more of that
5: i haven't done that for like two weeks now i
2: know man we're we're missing it so bad the fans (laughs) were demanding it they they were all the listener was Uh. just begging for it um uh, you could probably guess Undertale. That's one of
5: my favorite games now. That's period. The, the one with the Final Fantasy 13-2 soundtrack on yeah, it. Yeah, the
2: Final okay. Fantasy 13-2 <laughs>
9: so soundtrack. Sure the same no, thing.
5: I would. I'd say Undertale. And if I was like.
2: Being a weirdo, I would say Hyperlight Drifter because that's really really fun. I again really too. gotta try this game. But, um, Why is that being a weirdo? Because I I mean I like I beat Hyperlight Drifter years and years and years ago, and I'm I thought you never finished it. No no no. I beat it or not years and years and years ago. Last year on PC I beat it. I got 100. percent And then I bought it again on Xbox. Right. Now I remember this. So that's but, weird. Okay. Yeah. So oh, I mean freak. I've already beaten it once, but yeah I'd say Undertale. It was great. But let's uh, come back when we have more free times and energies in a week. Do you guys have any? Uh, like a topic you guys want to talk about next week mm-hmm.
5: no not right now okay well we'll figure
9: hey, it
2: out
5: but seriously guys uh don't forget to rate us on itunes leave oh. us some sweet sweet reviews
2: or at least just shoot us an email superbscast at gmail.com and we're on like everything but i mean it's it's cool to hear from people and if you are listening
3: if you're out there
2: um
5: don't be and- one of those Dicks that follow us on Instagram and then unfollow us because they want us yeah. to follow them back.
6: Yeah. Yeah,
5: man. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Alright. Yeah. Oh yeah.
9: That uh, to us people that can feel things, it it, uh, it hurts.